Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Jawar Jordan hits the hole off right tackle. Jordan, here he goes. This place is going to rock. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. Missouri still trying to get set from the end zone. Cook throws wide. Sixty-five Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Here's King from the pocket, flush to his right with six, five, going to loop it downfield, and ball is caught! Touchdown, Georgia Tech! With one second to go in the ball game, Christian Leary pulls it in. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. They catch it left. Williams goes down. And USC wins the game in triple overtime. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Trey Benson off to the races. One guy to beat. High step in. He got smoked for the Hokies. Touchdown. 85 yards. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. All right, here we go. There's a Big 12 game tonight, and we will hear from their sideline reporter, Jed Drenning. Paul spoke with him about a half an hour ago to focus in on the game against the University of Houston. There's some interesting news involving the uh, Pac-12, and we'll get to that as well. Also, we'll show you at some point here in this opening segment the top 10 teams and who has the toughest schedule 
the remaining rest of the year, and obviously the Pac-12 have a lot of teams that have to gobble each other up at one way or the other. So here we are, David Smoke, Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke. Thank you for your time every single day as we try to bring you whatever's happening in college sports plus so much more. Let's get to the story involving the Pac-12. Earlier today, or in a report today, from John Wilner from the San Jose Mercury News and what is the Pac-12 hotline for now, uh, that uh, George Klyovkov has said that USC and UCLA had been removed from the Pac-12 board. This was in a statement, a sworn statement in the Comcast case, which we'll get to, uh, a potentially significant development for the Washington State-Oregon State lawsuit. Why? Well, I mean, if they don't have any rights anymore, then um, that kind of works in the favor of Washington State and Oregon State. Although, um, I, I just I, I wonder, you know, how it, again, that's the first two teams. Well, what about the other eight that left? Like, he, those are things. And the other thing that's also come out is that they are not $50 million in the hole to Comcast. They're $72 million in the hole to Comcast. The overpayments were far more uh, than they said because all he said before was it was over $50 million. Well, 72 is way over 50. Uh, 72 so, is almost another 25% or more, maybe 50% yeah. above what they thought. Yeah. So, yeah. So, distributions withheld by Comcast to offset 10 years of overpayments based on the company's flawed tracking of Pac 12 network subscribers was 58 million. And then reductions in distributions for this year to account for a correction in the subscriber fixtures figures is 14 million. And the source said it typifies 12 years of neglect. Yeah, wow. wow, yikes. Uh, that's, that's not a good look for George Klyovkov. And I know that we've held off on getting Bob Thompson, that he's you know said, like, let's just wait till there's, like, something a bit more concrete and substantial, which I agree. I, I think that that's better served. But, um, yeah, I saw him reacting to a couple of those tweets. And um, there's obviously a lot of interest with those two fan bases and just, uh, you know, in general with what all that means for, you know, a lot of different potential um uh, you know, programs and teams and conferences, uh, whatever gets resolved out there. But, yeah, it's, it's just kind of uh, a tale of two parts of the day, I guess, because a few hours ago when the uh, news came out that, you know, it was acknowledged, uh, you know, Wilner was one of those two that, that had this out there that, you know, they had, you know, basically treated USC and UCLA like they weren't a part of the, the right. this, this, you know, the deal anymore, um, that would – you know, leads you to think that, okay, well, that plays into Oregon State and Washington State's hands as far as, you know, these other schools and how they're leaving, although it's different circumstances. And so I, I'm not a legal expert. I, I won't pretend to be ever on here. Um, I know we got people much smarter that can explain it better. Um, but they're arguing that that set a precedent so that when these other schools did it, that that meant, okay, well, that automatically means that you, you know, you withdrew that way. So uh, the argument's over whether or not that was actually – you know, precedent or not, and that's what they're going to wade through. Um, but it did seem like it was a good, um, you know, a good thing for those two remaining schools that that was acknowledged, that they did not treat those two on their way out as though they were voting board members any longer. But it, as it, soon as you celebrated that, yeah. then this news comes out that all this money that you thought was there, uh, there's even less of it than you thought. There's a lot less of it than you thought to the point where, you know, I, I saw it described um, – by Wilner of, you know, or somebody else of like how it was, you know, basically depleted the 70-something million dollars uh, because of these accounting errors. So, yeah, on the one hand, you'd think that'd be great news for 
those schools in their argument. Not that it is going to you know absolutely be taken that way by a judge or whatever, but you would think that that does lead into their argument. But on the other hand, all that money that you think that that's leading to uh, is not quite what you thought now because of the revelation that they actually did far worse than we thought with handling their finances and the Pac-12 network and all those things. So you wonder too, like in their negotiations with networks, how much of that. You know, the Pac-12 subscriber numbers and things like that were talked about, and was that revealed? Was that uncovered? And and did that lead to some of the the hesitancy to to drive up prices and to, you know, to get that deal done by some of those networks because they realized, like, this thing's a house of cards. This isn't what it's been made out to be. Because remember, Mm -hmm. well, they've got 100,000 this, and if everybody just pays this on Apple, then that'll lead to this. And, well, the numbers were never even correct to begin with. So, uh, yeah, just kind of bizarre how it got this far down the road. But, yeah, not a good look for George Klyovkov in particular. Bob Thompson's reaction to John Wilner's story involving well beyond $50 million, all he said was, wow, just wow, about all I can say. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's no wonder. Like, the more you find out about it, like, there's no wonder the conference fell apart. No, like, no. It's just like, like, you know, it's, it's a credit that they made it as long as they did. Honestly, like that's like it's kind of amazing that they didn't fall apart before this. It was almost like they had termites within the co- the conference administration, mm. and and no one ever checked for whether or not there were termites. So if if Washington, Oregon State end up with the only two votes, we know what they can do. They can try to hey, this is all ours, and then they also then have to pay back sixty five or seventy five million, right? Yeah. Yeah, so um, I don't know. Well, no, uh, it's already kind of gone. Yeah, it's kind of right. it's it's already kind of gone. There, okay. they okay. don't have it. They, yeah. yeah, okay. That's basically the way that's kind of I, I've seen it taken is that that you, okay? If you thought that there was seventy million dollars there, whatever the figure is, there's not seventy million dollars there. Yeah. There's not there's not money there. So yeah, what you're, you're not paying off a bill. That bill's going to get paid off, and that's just not going to leave you nearly what you thought was left over. Yeah, I, I I'll also say this like for. Anyone who thought that Oregon State and Washington State were going to have this open and shut lawsuit on the Pac-12, that's just wrong. I mean, like, there's um, – and they're probably finding a lot of this stuff out, like, as we are. Like, okay, well, we're going to sue for this because I doubt a lot of this was common knowledge to the, the members of the league. Well, that's what I'm saying is if you, you know, were in TV negotiations all this time, Paul, for the last year, then you were operating with this thought that you had this amount of money and these amount of subscribers and this was in your arsenal – or your cachet, and it turns out like th- we're just now learning. They're just now learning that like all this is not exactly what it was propped up to be. So yeah, it's no wonder this thing fell apart on itself. Yeah. yeah. So if you didn't know the whole time, like if you're relying on George Klyovkov to just tell you, like, hey, everything's going well, then you look at you know, oh wait, uh, Comcast overpaid us, and now we have to give some of that money back. So now we know that our our network wasn't as valuable as we were told it was, and you know part of the reason. You know, you, you have university presidents going and saying we're well, worth $50 million is, and while that seemed ridiculous, now I'm kind of buying, like, why you could be like, well, if we've got this, and we've got this, and the commissioner is telling us that this is the first offer, well, then maybe we need to play a little hardball here. Now, it ultimately was a dumb decision, but now um, the conference presidents, and this is their fault too, were not paying, playing with complete information because they didn't ask. Smartest people in the room. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, I guess smart people can get duped too, as as we see in daily lives. But yeah, they they got duped big time. And you know what? I I take some of what I just said back. It's not Klyovkov as much. Larry Scott yeah. still deserves the majority Absolutely. of the blame. So yeah, I don't want to. I, I I don't. 
I guess I apologize semi <laughs> to George Klyovkov. You still deserve some of the blame, I think, in the grand scheme of things. But no, Larry Scott definitely deserves more of the blame. I should have said that from the beginning. But yeah, um, they were operating this entire t- with all that hubris too, like you know, with all that confidence and all that. Who are you? And you know, you, you don't like all that kind of stuff. And you were operating from a position that was not even what you thought it was to begin with. And that's just a. Uh, a tough pill to swallow for Pac-12 fans who, you know, for a long time are going to be talking about the demise of this conference and how it all unfolded. And I know there's probably going to be books written by one of the Johns at some point, and there's already been multiple articles and, and all that jazz. But, man, like, we're still learning new things about this now. Like, today we learned, like, nope, that money's not really there. So the story is far from over as far as, you know, the uh, the entire picture of how it all came crashing down. But, you know, it's still semi-standing up right now, and that's what they're working through. And, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is this is just not an open-and-shut deal. There's a, a lot to, you know, try and figure out and, and a lot to be decided here. Also, uh, speaking with someone within 365 Sports and Sikkim365.com that's been following a lot of the ups and downs of the roller coaster of realignment that Brett Yormark will be visiting Gonzaga and perhaps as early as this weekend – that's just the next part of uh, what we mentioned and what has been reported earlier this week about they are next up on the clock, and it will just a matter of not imminent, but he will be apparently visiting Gonzaga sometime uh, this weekend. I don't know if that yet is something that has uh, been released by the Big 12 or if it would even be released, but that's uh, from those involved. Here is a, a, a graphic of the top 10 teams in the country. Now, I know both polls could be slightly different. The hardest schedules the toughest upcoming schedules left these are the top 10 teams and look at the first three because they're all going to play each other right in some way usc oregon they play third washington these are not the top 10 ranked teams like an order of like that's not usc they're barely in the top 10 but they're in the top 10 hardest remaining or toughest upcoming schedule usc oregon and washington ohio state oklahoma Michigan, Georgia, Penn State, Florida State, Texas at number 10. Yeah, um, well, yeah, the the top three all play each other, but then also, uh, you know, four, six, and eight all play each other uh, coming up. Yep. So uh, that's going to be a nice little murderous row. As a matter of fact, uh, Ohio State and Penn State play next week. Uh, So uh, the game of the year of the week this week is Oregon and Washington. The game of the year of the week next week is Ohio State and Penn State. What well, doesn't make sense here? You're right. Uh, Oklahoma has one ranked team left on their schedule yeah, as of get, now. I don't get that where Kansas, they are. And we don't know what they're going to be and maybe even higher by the time they play in a it's couple of weeks. based on combined opponent win percentage. Okay. So, yeah. okay, well, yeah, I mean, UCF, uh, they're going the wrong direction. That's who Oklahoma plays in a little over a week. And, you know, I think that they'd be able to probably handle them pretty well. Dylan Gabriel versus his old team. Uh, Jeff Levy, I guess, against his old team as well. That ought to be interesting. But they've got KU. Um, beyond that, though, like Oak State, I mean, they're getting better, that's maybe, it appears. Maybe, yeah. um, West Virginia has been good. So that's that's definitely a team at, what, 5-1 five, or five and one right now? that 4-1, mm-hmm. you know, I think. 4-1, yeah. and one, okay, yeah, because yeah. they just had the bye. Uh, BYU, they're, you know, I, sitting BYU, pretty good. Yep. And uh, TCU's, eh, right now. So, yeah, I mean – 
that's that's kind of I mean toughest upcoming schedule I I get but yeah it doesn't look that daunting from like Oklahoma's perspective especially compared to like the top three when you're looking at the fact that they're all playing each other and the others like Utah and Oregon State's not even on there but they got to play them in most cases yeah. and so yeah like the the Pac-12 toughness is is way tougher than than Oklahoma's for example but yeah I, I can't wait to see some of these big loaded matchups down the stretch especially out in the pack uh, that's going to be a lot of fun and yeah can Oklahoma just keep it together they're in the driver's seat now um, but you know they still got to go out and win six more games and then go win a seventh you know potentially in the big 12 title game so yeah that's going to be a you know a fun little stretch run here in the second half with so many teams bunched up the Big 12 men's basketball just put out their preseason team, and that was something I just happened to see. And if you look at the first five, Craig, this is not a part of Off the Radar, is it? No. Okay, good. This just came out. So the Big 12 men's basketball team, uh, Hunter Dickinson is the preseason player of the year, the newcomer. The freshman of the year, Jacoby Walter from Baylor. The top five, these are the preseason first-team players. Dickinson, Dewan Harris, Kansas, Emmanuel Miller from TCU, Max Asmus from, uh, uh, Ace, Ace from uh, excuse me, Texas, who came in from, what, Tech, or Oral Roberts, and then L.J. Cryer, the former Baylor guard, who's now at Houston. So those are the five first-team all Big 12 preseason basketball players. Yeah, not a surprise on Hunter Dickerson being both a player and newcomer of the year. Not a surprise on Jacoby Walter either. I was a little surprised that Baylor didn't have one on the first team, but then when you look at who it is, you know, you knew Max Acemus was going to be there. He's been a stellar player in, in, in college basketball for three years. LJ Cryer can score. Um, I mean, I guess technically there's a player from Baylor. He's just not playing for them anymore. Uh, it's I, I'm going to be very interested to see how LJ Cryer or how – um, Kelvin Sampson makes LJ Cryer fit Houston in their style mm-hmm. because it is because it's different than what what Scott Drew does here. So, um, which might make him you know in a different player, more productive in some ways. Although at times he was productive. Uh, well, he he's going to have to play more defense than he did in the yep. last couple of years. Yep. So, um, and not that Scott Drew doesn't push defense, but that was certainly his shortcoming. And part of that is because LJ Cryer is just not a big guy, so he would have games where he just had a, a a bit of a physical mismatch on him, and you know couldn't really man them up as much so we'll see I think he'll be fine in Houston I think he scored a lot of points and they like Houston needed that they needed a guy who can who can put in 20 most nights I mean yeah it's cool to see um I'm not in basketball mode in any way shape or form right now (laughs) but I know that it's time for that and that's got a lot of people excited and I'd imagine in some fan bases like Baylor's uh super excited they've already turned the page I think probably in some people's case because they want to watch a winner um, and Baylor's expected to win, but I know that there's obviously going to be a lot of other teams that, that expect the same as well. And um, yeah, interesting to see them not have a you know a first team guy, but have a, a, num- a number of honorable mentions. Uh, that's a it's going to be a mighty fine league once that mm. the ball gets rolling, and uh, it's going to be interesting to have these you know four new teams involved and kind of how that changes the mix so to speak um but yeah looking forward to just all that getting underway and the debates over who belongs where and who should have been first team and all that i'll let the you know everybody else argue over over those things but it's cool to see that get dropped and uh you know good luck to lj crier uh you know he's he feels like he's got a better chance at houston to go do whatever it is he's, he's looking to do and um that'll be a, a spicy matchup whenever he and the bears take on each other and you know i, I just looked up the gonzaga thing you mentioned a few minutes ago i don't see anybody mentioning that 
Brett Yormark's visiting Gonzaga. So I guess you might be the first with that report, and, and that's obviously uh, of note. But, you know, as Matt Rose told us the other day, um, that uh, that's very much a process that they're undergoing right now. So that's just, yeah, the latest step in that process, I guess, is him going out there and visiting. But, yeah, I hadn't seen that mentioned by anybody. West Virginia fans are all in the chat room as they uh, should be. Joey Foster, doesn't it feel like it's the battle of the hot seat tonight? <laughs> West Virginia fans would never agree with a loss tonight. At Houston is just bad. Houston, you have a problem. It's West Virginia 34-13. to 13. You'll hear Jed Drenning on that uh, here in a little bit. Uh, I pre-recorded that a, a few minutes ago, like you said. And, um, you know, he's got, he's got an interesting perspective on that game uh, and, and where it, it sits. And, like, there's a lot of the, you know, like the hot seat thing, I think, for Neil Brown. He, I mean, he's not going to breathe easy until it's over because uh, I think that's part of the thing that's, that's fueling him. And we get Max Olsen got a great column on it. Um, yep. He joins today, us at four, too. And he'll, he'll be on. But they um, – about how they're fueling their season. I uh, I do think that um, it'll be interesting. But uh, West Virginia's defense just playing so, so well right now. Stingy. I do not see Houston uh, not making the mistakes that they've made in the other games. The hot seat talk has cooled off as it rightfully should, but I, I don't think it takes much to get that burning again. Um, and I think tonight would be the way to get that start to, to smoke a little bit would be to go out there and lay an egg against your old head coach and Dana Holgerson, who left you for Houston when Houston wasn't even a Big 12 team. Mm-hmm. He left you for a, a, a group of uh, – what? yeah, a yeah, non-group five, of five yeah. team. And, or no, for a group of five team? Yeah, no, G5. They were yeah G5. I think a power five. Yeah, for a group of five team. Yes. Um, so, you know, that was a, a slap in the face, uh, you know, when that happened. And uh, that's not something that West Virginia fans have forgotten. So there is that little element there of, you know, facing your old coach in the place that he left you for. Um, I think, you know, Houston's obviously got a lot of issues. But if I'm West Virginia, it's a Thursday night. You know, it's just, it's not, uh, it's not your typical setting. And as we saw last week, Kansas State rolling into Stillwater on a Friday night or, you know, in any of these weeknight games, really, they can get a little wonky. So I would be on upset alert if I, I was West Virginia. I'd also be very confident that you have the better team overall. But, you know, there are questions about the offense still. You know, can, can the defense hold up as it has been? Um, it should be a, a fascinating little uh you know, game between these two, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to, to seeing the end result. I do think it is a West Virginia win when all is said and done. Yep, I don't I know do to too. what extent, um, but I also know that it better be a win in some cases because that would be an awful look and be a huge momentum derailer if they were to go to Houston and, and lose to uh, Dana and company. West Virginia guy, 56, let's go Mountaineers. I don't know if Kyle Little is in yet or S. Michael DeHart, both West Virginia guys that are yet in the uh, chat room, but they'll be here probably at some point. Uh, Chris Cobb, who's an A&M guy, West Virginia, should roll tonight, definitely. Patrick Nelson, let's go Mountaineers, and on and on. And so, tried to mention some of you who are in the chat room right now. Alan Tran, uh, I like Neil Brown. And so, there we are with that. That game is tonight. Craig will have more off the radar with other stuff, including Major League Baseball and more a little bit later on. So, if you have not had your ears checked... Put your earplugs in if you are sensitive to noise because Dave Softy Mahler, KJR Radio in Seattle, if you've ever heard him before, you know he comes. And what I think is full throttle, stick your head in the tank of gasoline, light it with a match. He's on top of that, plus with a like a push of a button, pop. He's next to talk about Washington and Oregon, 
Paul Catalina's conversation with West Virginia sideline reporter Jed Drenning, Max Olson, Taylor McCarg. Also today, we'll have our college football picks off the radar, the top five and more. This is 365 Sports. Stonewood Dental Robinson, Texas. Dr. Steve Childress is my dentist, and I'm happy as hell that he is. He does a great job with uh, his staff. It's a big place. It's got a lot of different people that help you, whether it's something just for teeth cleaning or something that maybe is uh, what has been planned for either a a root canal or a cavity or maybe even if it's something pretty serious like a a tooth being pulled, crowns, implants, all of the above. They do that, and they have an incredible staff. When you walk in the door, Uh, you just kind of just feel at home. That's the way I have been from the first time I've ever been there. And then Dr. Steve Stildress and his staff make me feel that way too. I have been there a lot in the last couple of years. He has done a lot for me when it comes to my dental work the last couple of years. And now I feel like I'm ahead of the curve, although still playing catch up. But he has given me the game plan and I'm sticking to it. And it's been great. It's nice to go back when there's an appointment that's just for a teeth cleaning and not worried about what else they might find. Dr. Steve Childress and his great staff and Stonewood Dental in Robinson, Texas. During Jeep Adventure Days, Alan Samuels in Waco is celebrating with an incredible line of 2023 models like the Grand Cherokee, Renegade, Wrangler, and Gladiator. Come see what Alan Samuels can offer you and your family and find the Jeep SUV that fits your lifestyle. Pioneer Steel and Pipe opened their doors in 1943 and they have never wavered with their focus on great product and customer service, relationships with a handshake, making sure you, the customer, is satisfied. Their new facility is now twice the size, allowing new inventory, higher quantities, and in a much more organized fashion. In addition to the long lengths in tubing, angles, channels, rods, and flat, Pioneer Steel and Pipe now offers several shorter, more convenient lengths of material already cut. Their 2,500 square foot showroom has over 1,000 new products in stock, new welding supplies, hardware, quick creep, and do-it-yourself components for any project, whether you are a professional contractor or weekend warrior. The new facility is designed to make your loading experience faster and more efficient with easy drive lanes around the building and much more room to get your trailer loaded. Our location may have changed, but our values haven't, and our relationship with customers goes much farther than just business. Pioneer Steel and Pipe on Loop 340 and Highway 6 and just east of I-35 in Waco. Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micro-market vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micro-market vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, 6900 Imperial Drive in Waco or online at automaticchefcanteen.com. Looking to connect with Baylor alums in your area? Baylor alumni can help. Looking to host a watch party in your city? Baylor alumni can get you started. We are back, 365 Sports. Paul Catalina trying to track down Softy uh, with KJR in Seattle. Craig Smoke, David Smoke, and here we are on the set. Owen is here today, back in the studio with us. Good to have Owen with us uh, as well. A lot of people playing nice in the chat room. West Virginia fans, Texas fans, 
A lot of people playing nice in the chat room, and that's good to see. Uh, Patrick Nelson, almost everyone in Morgantown, wanted him gone, in reference to Dana Holgerson when he left that job to take the job at the University of Houston. Uh, just a horrendous loss for the Purple, but got to give Gundy and the Pokes credit. They rallied in the off week. Canelio, thank you for that, looking back at last week. And, of course, what? Okay, all right. Uh, also, no, finish your thought. About what? With what he said. No, just reading it off the, the chat room. People are talking about last weekend's games and also this weekend's game. Uh, yeah, that's talking about K-State and the yeah. big win over K-State. So, yeah, that was a, that was a good win for uh, Oklahoma State, kind of bouncing all over. But, uh, yeah, that was a bad look for Will Howard and company. And, um, you know, hopefully for them, he has a much sharper game. I mean, going to Lubbock on a Saturday night is going to be tough, and they've won a couple games in a row now. feels like uh, it's an opportunity for Tech to, you know, get something, you know, really um, – going momentum-wise, and they, they kind of already do, but to beat K-State and beat them at home uh, at night and have three wins in a row and, you know, be uh, well above, you know, I guess 500 and, and 500 in Big 12 play would be, you know, tremendous for Joey McGuire and company and more along the lines of what we expected of them uh, coming out of the preseason when there was a lot of hype surrounding them. They got off to the rough start, but, you know, you look at what they lost. They lost a close game to a really good Wyoming team, lost a close game to a really good Oregon team, uh, so it wasn't like they were, you know, putting up stinkers uh, necessarily. But, yeah, is this a turning point? If they beat K-State, then there's going to be all that hype that, you know, kind of went to the wayside, roaring back. And for K-State, that's a, you know, that's, that was a tough loss for them. And how they regroup will be very interesting because that's the first time in a long time I've seen really any pronounced public criticism of Chris Kleiman and kind of how they operated during that game. So uh, not that, you know, fire him or anything crazy, but he usually gets pretty good marks, and he did not get good marks coming out of that game last week. Wet blanket. Maybe Oklahoma State was why K-State had a horrendous game. Maybe a thought. West blank, wet blanket, of course, a big Oklahoma State fan and uh, responding to somebody earlier that uh, K-State was just horrendous in that game. But uh, it was a, a hell of a win for Oklahoma State, no question at all. Uh, Alan, uh, we won Houston, a Baylor fan. You you need to worry about the off week. Uh, also, uh, let's see, uh, from Bracket Cat, they definitely were speaking in a compliment of Oklahoma State, but we didn't respond at all to be getting punched in the mouth. He's discussing Kansas State, and you just don't see that very often. It's what you were mentioning well, about climbing. You don't see a Kansas State team lose a game when you lose it. You don't see them get punched in the mouth like that. Yeah, I, I think for Chris Kleiman last week, uh, he made a couple of those decisions that were a little bit maybe more aggressive than than the fans wanted, but I think he was trying to light a spark uh, under his team, and he, he saw that they didn't get those, then they probably weren't going to win anyway. So um, That's from Softy saying, go ahead and try to call him okay. again. I'm sorry about all that. Right. Yeah, but yeah, I think that was it. Like t- Sometimes, like yes, criticize the coach all you want, but that was the players not showing up uh, to a level last week. And look, yeah, uh, to Wet Blanket's point, yeah, Oklahoma State played really well. I mean, they really played within themselves and like kind of found something last week against Kansas State at home. So, yeah, absolutely. Credit more to Oklahoma State than I do to knocking Chris Kleiman. Yeah, uh, but but Kansas State with the expectations, Craig, and yeah, not, not kind trying to, to yeah, sorry, not trying to place blame on one side, just explaining both sides of it. And so, yeah, Oklahoma State deserves credit. Uh, Alan Bowman appears to be the guy. Ollie Gordon appears like he's the guy now in the backfield with them as well. Uh, got some good receivers. Defense is good. So, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State deserves credit. Uh, but knocking one's not saying the other doesn't deserve it or whatever. However, that's coming out in the in the chat. Um, 
Yeah, I just think that from K-State's point of view, um, that was a really ugly game and uh, one that they obviously know they need to uh, you know, improve upon. And um, for Oklahoma State, that's a building block, uh, potentially for them turning around their season and getting something strong going. And, and yeah, maybe Bowman Gordon in the backfield is, is what they needed from the very uh, beginning. Um, but definitely uh, some positivity coming out of Stillwater where there wasn't a lot to be found before. A uh, word is Kleiman was as hot as he's ever been in the locker room after that game. We'll see if it works out. Of course, you just got to clear that one and move on. And how about the one this weekend? Washington and Oregon in a great top 10 tilt. The game, of course, is uh, uh, Softy Mollick. Dave Softy Mahler, KJR in Seattle. Get ready. Stick your head in the tank of gasoline. Let's light it with the match. Softy it's a great game. It's a great year for the Pac-12. How pumped up is everybody in Seattle right now? Uh, yeah, a little excited, man. This is the first time ever in the history of the Oregon-UW rivalry there's been a game with two top ten teams, and it's going to be the last one ever as Pac-12 teams. So go figure, man. Uh, 100-plus years, Smokey, you playing this game, and it took them until the last year ever of the Pac-12 conference to finally play a couple games as a top ten team, and that's what you'll see on Saturday. So, Softy, this is a game where it's kind of hard to feel who has a, a disadvantage because both of these teams are so good on both sides of the ball. Where does this game swing, in your opinion? Well, I just think it's a matter of who can control the passing offense of the other team because you got a team in UW who's got the number one passing offense in college football. They're going up against the number five passing defense in Oregon. But on the other side, Oregon's got the number 10 passing offense in college football. And they're going up against the number 91 passing defense in college football in Washington. Now, the numbers are a little skewed because Michael Penix has barely played in the fourth quarter all year long. The starting defense for Washington has barely played in the fourth quarter all year long. They've only had one four-quarter game, and that was two Saturdays ago against Arizona down there in the desert. So, you know, look, you go back to that Cal game. UW gave up three touchdowns after the score was 52-12, to 12, for God's sake. So, Things like that have kind of inflated the numbers, I think, on the opposite end a little bit for UW's defense. So we're going to find out. But you know what, man, Smokey, in the end, these two teams really haven't played anybody. I mean, UW beat a really bad Michigan State team on the road. They were leading 41 nothing late third quarter in East Lansing. And Oregon came back and beat Texas Tech, as you know, in Lubbock. And I'm not sure how good the Red Raiders are this year. So I don't know if either team has really accomplished much of anything to crow about so far after five games. Softy, how much has home field mattered in this series, and how much do you think it matters on Saturday in a game where two teams seem to be so evenly yeah. built? Well, UW beat them in Eugene last year, and they should have beaten them in 2018, but they missed a 37-yard field goal, and the game uh, ended up going to Oregon. So home field really in the last five or six years hasn't really mattered much, to be totally honest with you. You guys know there was a stretch uh, in the mid-2000s to uh, you know, 2015, 2016, where Oregon kind of owned UW, right? They had that big, long winning streak, and UW just could not do a damn thing right against the Ducks in that series. And now it's 3-3 in the last six games. And as I said, uh, or said, should have been 4-2 uh, because UW should have won three in a row from 2016 to 2018. But I'm not sure if home field really means a lot, to be honest with you. There were a lot of Husky fans there. In 2016, there's going to be a lot of Oregon fans here tomorrow, or excuse me, Saturday in Husky Stadium. So it's going to be 70,000 people, and I'd say about 15 to 20% of them might be Oregon fans, to be honest with you. We just put up a graphic uh, that's from like College Football Focus on the, the toughest 
remaining schedules among the teams who were ranked in the top 10. And the first three were Pac-12, USC, Washington, and Oregon, because, of course, we know that it's a battering ram. How much fun will this be watching all this unfold? Well, that's the thing is that I'm just concerned the Pac-12 is just going to cannibalize itself, right, and just eat their own when it's all said and done. I mean, UW and Oregon play this weekend, and then Oregon's got Wazoo, Utah, USC, Oregon State, and then UW's got USC, Utah, Oregon State, and Washington State. Those are all top 25 teams. they got four top 25 teams left the rest of the way. Oregon State's got a brutal schedule. Wazoo has a brutal schedule. USC has the same schedule. Everybody has a bear in November. Everybody has an absolute gauntlet in November because everybody plays everybody in this conference, man. So it's going to be absolutely a war in the final month of the half of the year. I don't think you're going to see any team in this conference go undefeated. I'm not sure if you'll see a team come out with one loss, to be honest with you. So that's the concern when it comes to putting a Pac-12 team in the final four, that the schedule is just too damn hard the rest of the way for anybody to get a guaranteed spot in the final four. Softy Mahler with us, KJR in Seattle, with us on 365 Sports. Softy, um, everything has come up roses for Washington so far, except for that Arizona, I mean, the Arizona game was a win. Do you credit that to Washington um, maybe looking ahead a little bit, or is that Arizona yeah. is getting better? Well, you saw what Arizona did to USC last week. Yeah. They took them to triple overtime. I'm not saying that USC's got a great defense. As a matter of fact, USC's defense stinks. Their defense is terrible, all right? It's been terrible under Lincoln Riley for the last couple of years, and I think as long as Lincoln Riley's there, you guys know what the guy did at Oklahoma. He never played defense in the Big 12 at Oklahoma. He wants to win every game 51-50 to 50 for crying out loud. So I just, I'm just starting to think this is who this guy is when it comes to building a football team. He, he wants a five-hour game, and every game Lincoln Riley coaches, you should bet the over. So I don't think USC is that good. But I also think Arizona is greatly improved. This Fafita kid, the quarterback that took over for Jaden Delora, he can play, and he played pretty well against the Huskies. But, guys, just consider this. In that Arizona game, Washington won, and they were a fumble away at the Arizona four-yard line from going 38-17 to in the fourth quarter. Uh, Michael Penix didn't even throw a touchdown pass in that game, and they still won on the road in Tucson, which has been kind of a house of horrors. Any, any, any stadium in the state of Arizona, whether Tempe with ASU or Tucson with Arizona, has been kind of a pain in the ass for UW, to be honest with you. So that's one thing I'm not going to miss going to the Big Ten is having to play, play, play games in places like that. But, yeah, I mean, that was, uh, that was a grind, man, no doubt. And I think uh, in the end, it might actually prove to be a positive for this game with Oregon because UW had not played a four-quarter game up until then. Now they've got one in their back pocket, and they know how to finish. How much conversation still revolves around the fact that this is the end of the road or have all of the ranked teams and all these big matchups that are still to come? I mean, like looking at Washington's last month, it's all top 25 teams the way it stands right now. And I know that'll change because they'll beat up on each other. But how much has uh, some of the talk been about the off the field or has the on the field been so good that it's kind of pushed all that to the side for right now? Well, no, it's a daily thing with the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the Pac-2. The Pac-2 is Oregon State and Washington State and Beaver fans and Washington State fans. Don't miss an opportunity to tell Oregon fans and UW fans how stupid they are for going <laughs> to the Big Ten, right? I mean, that's a, that's a daily thing on social media. So, you know, it, guys, look, it's, it's, it's a move that if Oregon State and Washington State were offered the same move by the Big Ten, 
they would have been out the door. And anybody who disagrees with that is an idiot. All right, there's just it's not even worth having the freaking debate for God's sake. It's so dumb to even talk about. So you know, in the end, the Pac-12, the remaining schools were offered a streaming only deal on Apple with no guarantee of being on linear TV. And they said no, uh, and, and they should have said no, right? I mean, people think about how crappy the Pac-12 media rights deal was, you know, two, three years ago. They signed this deal, it's even worse. And when you're desperate like Washington State and Oregon State are, you'll take anything because, guys, let's be honest, Oregon State and Wazoo, they're staring at $4 million a year in the Mountain West. That's what they're looking at right now. So They're, they're, they're looking at potentially $20-plus million less per year than what they were making in the Pac-12. So I don't blame them for being angry. I don't blame them for being irrational. I probably would be, too, if I were them. But every single day, uh, this is a UW and Oregon ruined the Pac-12. You you killed the conference. We could have survived without the L.A. schools, which I disagree with, by the way. But there's not one day that goes by that this move to the Big Ten is not talked about, at least amongst Cougar and Husky fans. The Apple Cup this year, guys, is going to be gnarly. Absolutely (laughs) gnarly. I don't know if you guys have ever been to an Apple Cup in Seattle. This is the year to come because they may not play it for a long time after this year. Yeah, I, that that's one I have circled on the calendar, Softy. It, it, it's certainly, uh, like you said, gnarly is a great great way to describe it. Uh, when you hear things like today coming out about the not, the Comcast thing is worse, and right. all like right. you know, the a couple weeks ago, the Utah president was the one who pushed the fifty million dollars a year thing. Right? Are you? Right. Does that surprise you, or are you just like, yeah, I knew this. This is a poorly run Comcast. Well, we, we've known that for years, that this was a poorly run conference, and we've known for years that the conference presidents were arrogant. We've known for years the conference presidents really don't understand the sports landscape, especially when it comes to college football, and uh, they paid the price for it. I mean, the, uh, the story, again, that Canzano had that Utah's president was looking for $50 million a year. They turned down the latest deal about a year and a half ago from ESPN. I just think there was some arrogance there, and they, and they really did not understand how this entire thing you know, ran, uh, and now they're paying the price for it. So I think in the end, UW, Oregon, USC, UCLA, hell, I even think schools like Arizona are going to be fine. Arizona is moving into an incredible basketball conference, man. You guys bring an Arizona on in the Big 12 uh, with, with, with uh, Arizona's history. Now there's rumors that Gonzaga may be uh, moving into the Big 12. That's going to be an unbelievable basketball conference, man. Maybe the best in the country when it's all said and done. So those schools, I think, are going to be just fine. Um, but for schools like Washington State and Oregon State, there's some collateral damage there, and I do worry about, you know, hanging on to coaches and, ha- you know, not having to cut sports and things like that. So I don't blame them for being a little bit irritated, but the, the Pac-12 has been a joke for decades, guys. You guys know that. We used to rip on Tom Hansen, who's the former Pac-12 commissioner, Pac-10 commissioner, and then we ripped on Larry Scott, and now we're ripping on George Playoffkopf. What's the, what's the most consistent theme there? The conference president. That's the theme. All right, I want to give you uh, as long as you want. I know you have your own show right around the corner, but so are you really good fans with fans from Oregon State and Washington State, or you just rile them up whenever you can? So I got some of my closest buddies are Cougar fans. I've got three or four pals of mine, golf buddies of mine, great buddies of mine, almost brothers of mine that are Cougar fans, and I tread lightly around them when it comes (laughs) to right. I mean, there's a couple of things you don't want to joke about. You don't want to ever bring up the term Cougat. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with that or not, but when the Cougars choke a big lead away in the fourth quarter, you know, 10, 14, 21 points in the fourth quarter, 
We call that Kuganit, okay? Uh, anybody blows anything. There's a big collapse in a basketball game. Oh, you cooked it. The Mariners blow a seven-run lead in the ninth inning. Oh, you cooked it. So you can't bring that up with them, and you can't bring up this whole thing about the uh, Pac-12 and the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the ACC with Stanford and Cal. Every now and then you'll run into somebody who's a pain in the ass and you'll tell them, hey, good luck in the big sky next year, pal. They don't like hearing that whatsoever. But my, my buddies that actually I like and I respect, I would never go down that road because I know how much they're hurting, man, with this whole thing. I got a couple of pals that are Oregon buddies, but for the most part, I'm surrounded by way more Cougars than I am Ducks. Way more. Last thing, can you try right now to rank the best quarterbacks in the Big Twelve uh, in the Pac-12? Yeah, I think Caleb Williams has to be number one as the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. I think right behind him is Michael Penix. I think right behind him is Bo Nix. I think right behind him is Cam Ward. I think right behind him is Shadour Sanders. And then I would put a guy like Dante Moore of UCLA. I think Dante Moore is going to be a, uh, a player down the road for the Bruins. DJ Ungalele of Oregon State started off kind of slow, but it's starting to come on. I mean, you kind of feel bad for teams like California and Stanford, who, who don't even have a quarterback that's even a household name. Nobody even knows who these guys are, for crying out loud. Noah Fafita may be the best quarterback of the four between Arizona, Arizona State, California, and Stanford. But I would put I put Caleb Williams number one right now, and I put Michael Penix two and Bo Nix three. Thank you, Softy. Appreciate you, buddy. Have a great week. Enjoy the game. Softy. All right, boys. Later. Yep, KJR Radio in Seattle. Yeah, it's going to be a heck of a game. Uh, looking very much uh, forward to sitting down and uh, thankfully got a full Saturday open uh, for the only time, I guess, in this whole six-month period or so. And uh, yeah. very much looking forward to being able to just sit and watch all of the games and not be bouncing you know, to and from a stadium or eyes elsewhere. So, uh, yeah, that's that's one I think you just toss a coin. Uh, it's pretty fair, but I've seen a lot of pro-Oregon. I've seen the arguments for Washington and um, – yeah, that's just that's going to be a heck of a showcase for those schools and for the Pac-12. Um, but you know, there's also that side story of just the mess of, of management that created this whole situation where this is the last time those two teams will play as Pac-12 teams. This will be the Big Ten uh, game of the week at some point in the in the future. And need more like with anything else involved in that story. I wanted to circle back, like as far as the the payments owed and all that. I'm not sure if that's uh, we need to see more from from the likes of the experts out there. Yeah. I'm not sure if that depletes the reserves or whatever, like you're seeing thrown out there, and kind of as we touched on earlier, um, because I've seen a couple comments where that's being already deducted, like that money per school. But the the point of the story is is that there's they lost even more money than they thought, or owed even more money than they thought. And so how that comes out on the other end, who the heck knows? But I think he just nailed it. Just the mismanagement over the years. You're seeing all that bubbling up, and as they sit here and get ready to take their final breath, it's all kind of coming out now. Yep. Just how I, shoddy it was I, all ran to begin I, with. I, I don't know. Like I don't know if it's necessarily like a direct hit on the 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 funds that you're talking about, but it's all not good news. No, of course, like not. it's not. Yeah. If you're Oregon State and Washington State and you're trying to say, like, oh, well, we this and this and this and this, part of the thing you're trying to say is that the Pac-12 networks have value, and that's why you're trying to keep them and do that, and they clearly don't have as much as what you think. That's so, the like, part I don't understand. What, yeah. Like, part of it is it's like with the conference breaking up, I would if I were the other 10 teams, I'd be like, you guys really want this? Like, we're leaving because of it. I know that, like, you're yeah. kind of saddled with it, but, you know, we could just – Sell all these cameras to someone who needs them. Like, you don't inherit that, and then you just automatically get broadcast. You have yeah. to have agreements with yeah. TV partners, and if they're not interested, then there's not a network. Yeah. So, 
If there's not a network that, like, yeah, I'm, I mean, that's way above my pay grade, but, like, yeah, great, you have all those cameras, but who wants those? And what are they going to use them for? And I, I don't know. There's, Yeah, it sounds great of, like, you just get a network, but there's a little bit more of, like, a complicated nature to then just you just launch the the Mountain West network or the Big 12 network or the whatever network. Uh, yeah, it's not as simple as just flipping the switch on that. So that's that's all the you know, to be figured out in the wash and it's got to be theirs to, to begin with, but that's still being determined right now. But yeah, just in general, it's all very uh, muddy waters and, and very confusing. And that's why the uh, legal experts will be the ones to sort through it all. We will have Max Olson in 20 minutes. He wrote a column today that was really good on West Virginia, but somebody that knows West Virginia about as well as anybody. And of course we've had a lot of different guests and analysts, including Tony Caridi and Jed Drenning with Paul Catalina on tonight's game in Houston this is 365 Sports. The city of Woodway coming up later on in this month is going to be that father-son-grandfather cookout, October 21st, and you have a chance if you want to be a part of that to have family involved. Double R is going to provide hamburgers and hot dogs. They're going to have all the bounce house, and they'll have all sorts of rides and other things as well. And you can go to discoverwoodway.com for more information if you want to register to enter and be a part of that for a great memory. Father, sons, grandfathers, uncles, you name it, they can be a part of this event. It's the first time they put this event on. And if you ever travel into Waco and you're looking for hotels and you look around Waco and there's not enough or there's nothing available, don't forget the ones that they have in Woodway. There are seven of them. It's discoverwoodway.com. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. MRI. 
Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is a premier elite life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers over 40 group exercise classes every week, including boot camp, indoor cycling, bar, silver sneakers, and more. If you haven't been to Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness lately, you're missing out on the improvements. New flooring in the weight room floor and locker rooms, new paint and mirrors added to the weight room and group exercise room, and many new machines have been added and arriving constantly on the weight room floor. New free weights, weight machines, TRX, rowing machines, stationary bikes, new treadmills, new ellipticals on the spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, Alex Box, and welcome to Nathan Roach, where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow. A kids club included with your membership plus sauna, whirlpool, and tanning bed. 16 tennis courts plus a beautiful stadium court and longtime youth tennis pro Britt Coleman and assistant junior Kenna. Adult tennis lessons and clinics with Blake and the commitment to pickleball with eight courts and instructor Jody Thurman. Visit the website at WacoTennis.com or visit us at Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness next to Hawaiian Falls on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe. Welcome back into 365 Sports. Jed Drinning, West Virginia sideline reporter, joins us now. And Jed, Houston and West Virginia tonight. West Virginia is on a roll right now, playing with tremendous confidence. Um, you know, Neil Brown entered this season very much on the hot seat. Uh, I don't know how they feel in Morgantown now, but as far as I'm concerned, you can turn the temperature all the way down on that. He has proven already what he can do with this team when they're healthy and ready to go and navigate some injuries. And this one means a lot, right? Because it's against Dana Holgerson. What's the vibe around the Mountaineers right now? Well, to be honest with you, they all mean a lot, obviously. And there's no empty chairs on this schedule. So you have to bring it each week. Uh, and th- there's truth to the fact that you absolutely, in this league, you have to take them one at a time because the first time you don't show up and play good football, uh, you're going to pay for it by multiple scores. And Dana is a guy that recognizes matchups. I'm sure he's game playing against some of the deficiencies that he's seen. Our bye week, for us, I can say, came at a time when it was desperately needed. We played four really physical football games in the first five weeks of the season. And uh, we had guys dropping, some will be back, some won't. But uh, we got some much-needed rest. But uh, we're going to take Houston's best shot. We have little doubt about that. But we better come and bring it again tonight. Well, uh, you know, we had Dana Holgerson on the show a couple times, and, and one of them right after the schedule was released. And he, he you know, said, look, I'm, I'm not stupid enough to think that this wasn't, you know, very intentional on the Big 12 to do this this way because this is a storyline. Who do you think it's more of a storyline for, West Virginia or for Dana Holgerson? That's a good question. You know, I, I don't know that, that uh, I mean, Neil even talked about it this week. He's like, look, Dana's a guy who, who had a lot of success here. He had a couple 10-win seasons. He had the Orange Bowl win. So uh, he did a lot of good things with the program. He was the guy who superintended the transition into the Big 12. So I don't know if there's a lot of ill will harbored, uh, at, at least internally. Now, there is that factor that, you know, when your girlfriend breaks up with you, uh, there's, there's some, some ill feelings that are harbored, and that's more the fan base, you know. Uh, so I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a little overstated or oversold. To me, it would have been probably more of a storyline and more of a, 
a sizzling TV storyline uh, had Dana been coming to Morgantown on a Thursday night. That would have kind of been more interesting. But, I mean, these Houston fans are the first time they've ever faced the West Virginia Mountaineers. Uh, it doesn't, I can't imagine, mean a whole lot to them. There's no animus there. So, uh, but yeah, I think it's just two football teams that are, that are trying to find their way into the second half of the season in a positive fashion. And uh, I think we expect under the circumstances for, for Dana coming off a bye, because I saw him, you know, coach very good football games coming off a bye at West Virginia. I've seen him do it at Houston. So uh, I, I think that storyline is probably dominating a little more than it should. Uh, in that it's our first matchup ever. It would be interesting in respect of who the coach was. So here we are. How much danger in is in this game outside of all that, in that Houston really needs one to, to get back on the right track uh, because it has been a, a wildly disappointing season for them so far. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in, in many, many respects it has, but you look at how they battled in some of those games that uh, the other team was able to separate the second half, whether it was Texas Tech, whether it was TCU. I mean, when they put their best foot forward, uh, they're, they're pretty scary. And now, if they can do that for the balance of 60 minutes and find a way to hold up, then, then they're going to be competing against most of the teams in this league and threatening to beat them. But uh, when you look at them from a skill standpoint, they got skill on both sides of the ball. Now, Dana had to retool his offensive line in the offseason. They got, despite having maybe the one of more exceptional alignment in the country at left tackle, they had to retool elsewhere. Uh, I think the strength of that offense is in the receiver room. They're very deep. They're very talented. They're very versatile. Uh, so, no doubt in my mind, Dana is looking at our secondary and finding matchups that appeal to him. And he has a very creative way of getting you in space in places you don't want to be in space against. And uh, so, we're, we're going to have our hands full on the defensive side. And on the offensive side, uh, again, they got two big heavies on the interior. When they're playing, when they're playing solid, they're playing solid and they're tough to move. They got two edge guys. Uh, we're dinged up with our offensive line and moving some parts around as well. So, uh, I mean, we're going to have our hands full with challenges on both sides of the ball. They got corners that can play. So, uh, I mean, this is this is one of those things that if you don't show up, you're going to find yourself down by multiple scores in this environment very quickly. So, we better show up, and we better show up early. What's been the spark in your estimation of this team, especially, look, they're not um, in the last three weeks of this winning streak, you know, scoring 45 points. They're doing this with defense. They've done it with different quarterbacks. They've done it with the running game. What's been the, the, the spark that turned this team around in, in, in light of their confidence? Well, you know, I, I do think that there was a belief in the culture uh, that continued into the offseason. And we felt that we underachieved and underperformed last year. And we marched into the offseason with that belief. And then when the media picked us to finish 14th, that was like Neil Brown standing over some burning embers trying to get a fire going. And somebody handed him a hose with an endless supply of jet fuel. And that really, really has a little fire under this entire program. And uh, that's the mantra. I mean, I don't go 30 seconds without hearing a player or a coach. Somebody screaming 14, 14, 14. That's what it's all about. And they said, look, you can say what you want about us now on our winning streak. We're 14th in the Big 12 until the season ends and we prove otherwise. So that has served as tremendous motivation. But at some point, and we're trying to continue to become a more well-rounded football team. We won the last three games that you just talked about. We won four in a row, but the last three in particular – with three, less than 350 yards in each of those games. The last time West Virginia did that was in 1996 when we had the number one ranked defense in the country. Now that is on some level unsustainable. Good defense isn't unsustainable, but at some point the offense is going to have to emerge 
and we're going to find ourselves in games that aren't just rock fights where we get to drag the other team into an alley, but it's going to be somewhat of a shootout. And, you know, you might suspect that could come against the Dana Holgerson coach team, so you better be ready offensively, and we need to keep cranking on special teams, so we need to be a well-rounded three-phase football team. And so far through five games, we've done that. We just have to get better at it. How do you feel about how both quarterbacks have played when they've been called on? I, well, both of them, for different reasons, I'm very happy. You know, first of all, Garrett kept the football out of harm's way. We haven't come close to seeing his best football yet. We've seen him off script, but from a run game standpoint, quarterback run game standpoint, for various reasons, we haven't seen the best of him doing that. And I do think that's when he's at his best. We're going to start to get to some of that. We're going to start to push the football vertical. We need some help from the receiver room. And it'd be nice if a receiver catches an RPO and the conflict defender drops to the box and makes somebody miss and picks up big yardage for us. But even in the run game, which is what we've leaned on throughout the course of the first five games with CJ and the rest of the crew. It hasn't been as explosive as it was a year ago. So those splash plays need to come there as well. But with Garrett, he's done a great job of keeping the football out of harm's way. I think he's going to continue to improve. And with Nico, I mean, how can you not be happy with how that kid was thrust into the fire against Pitt, managed that football game for the better part of three-plus quarters, three-and-a-half quarters, and then came out and made his first Big 12 start against a very good Texas Tech football team and helped us get through that one and come out on top. So I think that room's in solid shape. But like the rest of the football team, we have to find ways each week to get better and better because where we're at as a team right now through five games, it's good enough to be good through five games with one of the more difficult schedules in the country. But if we don't get better, if we plateaued, it's going to be an ugly final seven games. We need to continue to get better in all three phases. Now, I realize it's still early, only five games in for West Virginia because they've had their bye. But, um, you know, Ren Baker, uh, sometimes, you know, the new AD comes in and he, he, it would not have been a surprise probably to anybody had he fired Neil Brown last year based on how new ADs work most of the time. Look, this is not my guy. Um, I'm not going to even take a chance on it. I'm going to go bring my guy in, and that way I don't have to answer these questions. But he bet on, on Neil Brown this year and didn't make that move. And uh, now uh, he's looking at a 4-1 and one team. Has Neil Brown done enough to where that discussion is over? Well, what Neil, and this is obviously way above my pay grade, but when you listen to Ren talk, what Ren talks about is he sees things globally. He spends a lot of time in the building. He's been on the sidelines for every game. So he studied, studies with great scrutiny every aspect of not just the football team, but all the sports as well. Now he says, ultimately, we're held to account by how many games we win. But he said, I'd stop and consider all the factors that lead up and contribute to your ability to win those games. So if I see functional aspects of a program across the board, but it hasn't translated to wins yet, I have to believe on some level what level that's ultimately going to happen if I can find my way to help nudge it in the right direction. And I believe that's kind of his mindset. But you know, there's, that, there's also that school of thought with ADs that I've heard for years that an AD is not truly on the clock until he hires his head coach. So why rush it? Right. I mean, yeah. if you're new AD, why rush it? I mean, why do you want to start that clock ticking right away when you've got a guy that has a building that's in really good shape? The culture in the building is really solid, and it looks like we're just a couple good breaks away from turning a corner. And through five games, we've caught those breaks that in previous years we weren't catching. But again, you've got to continue with this type of thing. When, when I look at what scares me, and every week I can talk myself into being scared against any of these Big 12 teams, but with Houston, they're plus five in turnover margin, good enough for number two in the conference. Now, we're a West Virginia team that despite the 4-1 start, we've only won the turnover battle one time in five games. In fact, this West Virginia program 
has only won the turnover battle one time in the last 11 games dating back to last year. That, too, is unsustainable. So when I say we have to continue to find ways to get better, it includes ball security and those types of things that Houston, for all their deficiencies that have hurt them this year, they've mastered that part of the game. And so if they're going to beat you, obviously they're going to try and make that be a part of it. So with Ren Baker, above my pay grade, but that's my thinking. And I have plenty of ways to talk myself into thinking why Houston could win this football game if we don't show up and play out tonight. Uh, I know one of the games that you won the turnover battle in, Jed. Yeah, there was one. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even have to think about it. I can go yeah. back to, to last year, and that was that's an interesting game because that was the game that I think has derailed Baylor since then. Well, that was last year. And you yeah. know what? The 11 games started after the Baylor game. It's oh, really? You point to that. Yes, we were plus two in the Baylor game. Yeah. And ever since the Baylor game, we played 11 games at 43 to 40 game last year. The one game that we won the turnover battle in in the last 11 games was Pitt. We, you know, we've since had a hand in turning their quarterback into a tight end. But, but yeah, that Baylor game, that was critical. That was critical. I mean, those turnovers last year. And you got to figure, you're going to have – that's exactly the type of football game that I'm talking about. We haven't won a 43-40 to 40 game this year, but at some point you get the sense you're going to have to because what I get out of this Mountaineer team, I studied very closely Neil and his days at Troy and his four years at Troy before and when he was hired. So I have a pretty good thumb on, on the pulse of the culture and the type of football teams that he had done. It's starting to have that feel. Now, I'm not saying we're going to go out and rip off 30 wins in three years like he did at Troy. That's not what I'm saying. But stylistically, there are definitely parallels to be drawn between this Mountaineer team and those Troy teams. And those Troy teams, much like you've seen West Virginia through five games, is built to win rock bikes. They were built to win rock bikes. They'll drag you into that into an alley, a place you don't want to be, and win in that style of football game. But there were types of games. The bowl games, particularly the win against Buffalo, they had a 50-30 to 30 bowl win, a 42-32 to 32 bowl win. There were some shootouts that he found a way to win, much like he found a way to win that shootout against Baylor last year. So the offense, to get to that point, is going to need to step up. And so far, we haven't seen enough out of the offense in them doing so. But they're going to have to play a more prominent role from a big play standpoint. Jed Drenning, West Virginia sideline reporter, here with us on 365 Sports. Jed, enjoy the game tonight. Thanks for hopping on. Appreciate it. Thank you. Perfect segue to Max Olson, theathletic.com, who wrote about West Virginia. A nice surprise in the Big 12, and they've had a chip on their shoulder since Big 12 media days when the poll came out. Max joins us, and we had Neil Brown on, and he brought that up. He was upset about the colors behind him, even with the players' breakout session. Max, what a nice story. There's always a story or two in the Big 12, maybe every conference. Baylor two years ago, last year, TCU. Is West Virginia, you think, that team this year? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it, it reminded me, honestly, a lot. The, the, working on that piece, talking to Neil Brown and his players uh, for that story, it did remind me a lot in some ways of the stories I, I was writing about Kansas a year ago, right? Where I think that sometimes that's kind of uh, that's tough for us in the prognostication business, especially now that Kansas is better. It's hard for us to kind of just assume who's the worst team in the Big 12 anymore, right? And so, um, you know, I think, you know, certainly the the summer poll was wrong about West Virginia, and, and it didn't really make sense when you think about it. I mean, they shouldn't be behind all four of the new schools. That just doesn't make sense. But um, certainly that's exactly what they needed. Uh, that, you know, it, it, that motivation of being 14th is something they've carried with them um, every day since. And, uh, you know, I think it's done them a lot of good. It, it's funny that this West Virginia team, it's not blown anybody out. Um, they're just winning close games finally. And that's, as you guys know, that's what it takes to actually be competitive in the Big 12 race is just find a way 
to survive and advance in, in some tight games. And, um, you know, it, it hasn't been very sexy. And I think there's, there's still a lot of room to improve, especially on offense. They really have not gotten things clicking on offense yet. Now Garrett Green's healthy. But, um, you know, certainly I think that's a team that in, in the run they've had now beating Pitt, you know, beating Texas Tech, beating TCU, I think it shows that uh, there's a lot of toughness there. And, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, it, you know, it, 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 with the way the schedule sets up, no Texas, no K-State, no Kansas on the schedule. Um, they've got a chance here to, to, to rip off a bunch of wins. Max, what is your opinion of Oklahoma after that big win last week? Yeah, not surprised by the national conversation changing around Oklahoma quite a bit. I think you could tell people were just kind of skeptical and, Maybe that's because of the, the strength of schedule or lack thereof. But, um, you know, that was just such an impressive performance by Brad Venables and his crew. You knew they were deeply motivated after last year's Red River game. Um, but I think it just goes to show, like, that that is a coach who is just like at West Virginia. That's a coach who has surrounded himself with players who have his kind of attitude. And, you know, I, I've, we've talked about it before, how, you know, what a good job. Venables is kind of flipping that roster, which you wouldn't think you'd need to coming in after Lincoln Riley. But um, I think that he has built a team that uh, that can compete for sure. And, uh, it, you know, are they a playoff team? I don't know. We'll see. They, they, they've got to kind of uh, maintain this run and stay healthy and stuff. But certainly they, they, they made the statement they needed to make a week ago and find a way to win in the final minute that this team's for real. Does it really change how you feel about Texas at all, Max, the way that game went? I mean, there they had the lead with a little over a minute to go. Um, both these teams can still play each other again in Arlington. I think that's probably what most people expect at this point. Like you said, they got to handle their business, but does it change the big picture, that result at all? I don't think so. I think Texas played pretty well in that game. And, you know, if you, if you get a, a stop on the final drive there, everyone's talking about Texas like maybe they're the number one team in the country or, or, or at least, you know, top two, top three. So, um, I, I think what that game came down to, certainly they did a really good, you know, really good job of moving the ball in Oklahoma. Uh, it's just not very good situational football, not, not being able to punch in touchdowns in the red zone, you know, getting stopped on fourth downs. Same story as their game against Alabama a year ago. Um, you know, I think it's, it's a slim margin of error in a, in a big game like that. And, and certainly uh, third down, fourth down um, in red zone, they've got to be a little bit better. And, uh, I, but, you know, I think, I think Stark is probably right in saying, like, if that's the worst we're going to be this year, then we're, we're really good. You know, I mean, I think that, um, you know, certainly Texas, they, they lose the mulligan there in terms of the race, but, uh, I, I wouldn't knock them too far down the ballot. I think they're, uh, they showed they're just as talented as Oklahoma. How good and how we, we knew how good he was in high school, but there's hundreds of running backs who were good in high school. But Jonathan Brooks, it doesn't mean yeah. you forgot about Bijan or Roshan Johnson. Those guys were amazing. But he really has just like exploded onto the scene. Great player at Hallettsville High School. Yeah, and you know, it's kind of cliche to say these days, but like credit to him for sticking around uh, because yeah. he was behind some really talented players. You could see flashes from Jonathan Brooks when he'd get a chance to, to carry the ball, um, you know, in like the fourth quarter of games that they put away or, you know, second half of blowouts and stuff like that. You saw him make plays last year. And uh, so it's not shocking that this kid can, can uh, you know, make people miss. And, uh, you know, he's one of the top rushers in the country this year in terms of yardage. Uh, but, yeah, r- real, real impressive player who clearly learned a lot from two studs in front of him and, you know, that's a talented room, too, when you bring in C.J. Baxter and, and some of the guys they have around him. I think that pushed him to get even better this year. And, 
yeah, the, the, that balance that they found in the run game, I think, has surprised a lot of people. Max, we spent all week talking about Baylor. You know, we're on the, the kind of inside of it, but from an outsider's perspective, uh, you know, thirty thousand foot view. Uh, how does Dave Aranda turn this around? I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I got a lot of texts from people this week saying, "What did Mac Rhodes say about the offense?" <laughs> um, that that definitely resonated, like outside of Waco. What? Where did you hear that? <laughs> I can't. I can't say. I can't say. But the, I, I saw some people. A little bit surprised by that. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, it, <laughs> what, what, what can you say? I mean, there's, there's nothing I can really come up with that's better than how y'all have probably uh, dissected it at this point. But, yeah, certainly that that's one of those games especially that sings when, when it happens against Joey McGuire. And, um, you know, I, I think that Baylor's just kind of got a pretty rough road ahead here, honestly. And, and, and look, you can, you can definitely make the argument that they've got some good young talent in this, in this program and that they, those guys just need to develop. And um, there's some guys that, that I think are, are on the way up that will be good. But, um, yeah, offensively, it's certainly not very scary right now. And, and I think you look at the rest of the schedule here, I think, you know, Baylor's kind of going to become one of those games that, that other teams are circling is, like, pretty winnable at this point. So where's the, you know, where's the fight? Where's the fire from these guys? Um, it, it's easy to get into the X and, and, and O's of – like what needs to get fixed, what they need to execute better, but really want to see them like kind of show up with an attitude. Yeah, it's hard to see them making the postseason match, but the other thing about what you just said and, and part of the conversation is, hey, Caden Jenkins looks like a heck of a player. Like the, the secondary yeah. looks like they could be really good, but it's the NIL era. Like they, they might have coaches in their DMs already, right, that are already saying like, hey, man, right. you know, that, that all going on underground, but that's the thing is you can't even bank on having those guys for three, four years to build on, right? I'm guessing they're, they're probably having uh, people look at their commit list too and kind of offer some of those guys and kind of start going after those guys too. Yeah, I, I think that's true. Um, you know, and, and, you know, what is the NIL approach there? Uh, you guys would know better than I do. But, I mean, I think that uh, they're in a pretty tough spot right now. And, you know, I, I don't think that, like, I, I'm, I'm glad Shapin's back, right? I mean, Shapin's good this yeah. week. Yeah, he, he's they have the open week and he's going to be able to, he, you know, played the last couple and has played – well, it's not. He's not him. He's not the issue at all. By any right. means, right? Yeah. I know that's usually yeah. that's like we got nobody there, and that's right. kind of when, when you see some of these big tall teams think getting him back. I think has, has been that's a positive. But uh, but yeah, you've got to find. You know, this is that kind of time of the year where yeah, you get a break, you get a chance to get healthy and stuff. But man, we got to find out. Like, do these guys have some leaders and some people who can uh, kind of drag them out of the hole here? Do you think that's a launching point for, for Tech? I mean, they won a couple games in a row now when you're just kind of scanning the Big 12. Do you feel like maybe they're a team that's starting to get something going? Or was that just a product of, you know, hey, it's, it's Baylor's not very good this year? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, – I think I think kind of for Tech, more bum luck than anything early on here. Um, if they beat Oregon, we'd certainly be viewing Tech very differently, and they almost did. Um, you know, I think that uh, certainly – you ask coaches around the conference, like they definitely recognize Baron Morton's legit and uh, is going to be a really good quarterback. And so I think investing in his development this year is going to end up being a good thing. And uh, the better he plays, the better they're going to play. And so, um, you know, I think that that's a team that uh, still has a lot of really good pieces. You saw Steve Linton finally pop this last week. I, I think that um, Tech is still going to be a factor in this race and, uh, and probably, ha- you know, has a chance here to, to, to win some important ones. Max, thank you. How was the uh, – what's your road trip? Where were you eating food somewhere? 
you know what? I was at my brother's wedding over the oh, weekend, right. and I missed all of the games last weekend. It was insane. Oh, boy. All right. Great time. Well, congratulations. Great time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I think Paul would give up a, a body part, right, to be able to take that uh, that role with him? him? Oh, look, I've, I've offered Max, like, look, when you go to certain places, like, I, I'll be I'll be the tour guide. Like, I've offered him – I've offered him Paula Hassey, you know. So. <laughs> if we hit Tallahassee season two, he'll be getting the call. Don't worry. Yeah. Awesome. All right, buddy. Thank you, Max. Right. You, what, Thanks, guys. No, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Go. He's gone. I think. Okay. All right. Yeah. He had. He, he was up against it. We ran it a little bit late. What were you going to ask him though? Uh, Oregon, Washington, the biggest oh, game yeah. of the week. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I. I love. I. I this is for me. Uh, what is that? A, what's that? A two thirty kick? That game, Washington mm-hmm. and Oregon. I. Yeah. I look forward to this weekend. Bec- and Baylor's not playing. They're off completely. So there's no pregame show. Is sitting down late Saturday morning. Go play a round of golf and just just veg the hell out on college football all day all day yeah had to sit there and watch whatever that was at McLean the other night and uh of course it you know lasted as long as possible so by the time we got out of the press conference you know there was like the Pac-12 after dark game I guess was what was it like was it USC Arizona was that uh yes so I got to see some of that which was great but you know beyond that like that whole night window was completely wiped out for for nothing really quite frankly um so yeah i'm i'm definitely looking forward to just being able to sit and watch and not have to worry about you know going anywhere or missing anything and uh, what a weekend to have to to be able to do that and not the the biggest weekend in the world but i mean just the five games that we're going to be picking and then some of those contests in the big 12 are going to be uh highly interesting so yeah i can't wait to, to just have a full day and the only day we'll have like that again for another six weeks or so so yeah, yeah definitely going to take advantage of that it's yeah. hard to imagine also that in high school football they are already in week eight yeah not that you would know no you uh no i'm uh you gave I'm, up on that i'm taking my wife to austin this weekend Oh, that's nice. Very yes. nice. Is, uh, was it Austin, Lake Travis against Westlake? Or? No. Oh, uh, a, no, I'm just uh, – Good for you. I'm taking her. Like, you know, uh, she is uh, – you know, they like there's this term like football widow, and that's usually for people whose husbands just like to watch football, but people who have to cover it and have – like I – this is the reason this is the greatest job in the world – and, and she likes football, but she doesn't like it as much as me. So after the third game, she's about tired of it. As where I'm like, well, this is only halfway through my day. Yeah, it's only three. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. only three when we're to that point. So, um, But I get to say, well, no, I have to watch it. And she understands that. But I'm going to take her out for a weekend where, you know, there's a couple games we'll, we'll, we'll watch when we're out about eating lunch and stuff <laughs> no, in, you, in Austin. But, no, you no, no I, we've, we've worked it out. I mean, like, it's... It's fine. Um, depends on how Florida State and Syracuse goes in yeah, that 11 o'clock window. There you go. Like how long we'll stay but at I'm a certain fine. place. But, yeah. No, I'm fine with it. I'm fine. Are you going to go down? It, go ahead, Craig. You, 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 say, are you, you guys, uh, has she said much to you since uh, yesterday afternoon about KU? Uh, she's relieved. I mean, she's relieved. She, I mean, her her first text to me was six bleeping years that this is kind of hanging over and they're worried about it. And I said, well, look, I told you, I mean, all they had to do was kind of run out the clock, which is what they did on the IARP or whatever the the committee was called. Do you know what that committee is full of lawyers? Well, here's the deal. What what is What is the The one thing when you go in front of the, you have to be proven innocent. You're innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. So here, and then I told her this about the Kansas penalties in that IARP when it was announced that this would be their last thing well what were they gonna do like they can't 
like if you punish Kansas further, then you're going to run the risk of, well, now this is going to get appealed because you as the NCAA has decided this is not how you're going to do this anymore. So Kansas, you know, fell in the right spot for sure. And now they can, can move on and deal with the other problems they have, like Arterior Morris and all that. So. I mean, it's not really their problem anymore. Not anymore, yeah. Um, he's got off the team. but He's enrolled at Garden City Community College based on reports yesterday. So speaks really well of their program that uh, they would bring him in. But, you know, Juco, I guess that's that's how it works. Um, but still very puzzling that you'd, you'd want him around any program right now given what's been alleged. But, you know, uh, yeah, I, I think it's uh, going to be a fun weekend and don't really have much to say on the follow-up to that. But uh, looking forward to all the games and – I know we're going to be picking some here in a little while. Well, we are going to pick them. Uh, we'll do that after Off the Radar. Craig has that in about a half an hour. We'll hear from Taylor McCarg here momentarily with his thoughts on Washington, Oregon, among the games. Uh, in fact, fla- flashing back to the weekend with a couple of the games we saw. But we will have our games. The ones we have, we're not going to put them up yet. But it is USC Notre Dame, and that's the one that took me the longest. UCLA, Oregon State, Oregon, Washington. Brigham Young, TCU, and then Miami at North Carolina. Those are the games. We'll pick those a little bit later on and also look at the standings of where we are. All right, this is 365 Sports. The right call can make all the difference on and off the field. I'm Mark Stewart with Bird Colgen Ford. When it's time for a new car, truck, or SUV, Bird Colgen Ford is the right call. Come check out our award-winning lineup of best-selling models in their class, like the Mustang, Explore, Expedition, F-150, and Super Duty. Make the right call for your next vehicle at Bird Colgen Ford. Bird Colgen Ford proudly supports Baylor Athletics. Sick'em Bears. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC see an equal housing lender. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon wrap fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef and chicken fajitas and always large briskets available plus fresh vegetables so the great product customer service and family tradition of the bauer family continues at waco custom marketplace open monday through saturday a full service butcher shop and bakery available waco custom marketplace 425 lake air drive in waco or waco custom marketplace.com 
It was broad daylight. I stepped into a gas station for five minutes to grab a snack, and just like that, my car was broken into. They made out like a bandit. My laptop, my phone, everything. I called my agent to see what could be done, and he restored my faith in humanity. My claim was processed so quickly, and I was able to recover my losses. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Some say a dog is man's best friend. But I tell you what, boys, you better think again. Cause there ain't nothing better than some cows, pigs, and turkeys, too. I love to cover them in sauce down in Rudy's Barbecue. Bring all your friends to Rudy's for some tasty oak smoked barbecue. Next in line. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. I know this is not college football related, but just a quick note. The Big 12 Conference is now uh, partnering with Allstate, the insurance company, uh, as far as supporting all of the women's sports at an unprecedented level. So sponsoring perhaps some of the championships, among other things, as part of a sponsorship among all the women's sports in the Big 12. And yet, the little, like a little here and a little there, that's not free. Allstate's not getting that for free. They're paying money for that. And, and, and I don't know how much it is. It may not be much, but it's scratch, right, Paul? And, Craig, it, yeah. it's, it's money that was not there in the first place. No, keep making money where you can. And, you know, there there is maybe a, a – I mean, I hope the window opens up bigger for women's sports to make more money. But after the NCAA tournament last year, it appears that there is some peaked interest in it. So uh, strike while the iron is hot. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything to add. It's great. You know, it's an extension of a partnership they were already doing. I don't know how much money they really get from it. But, um, yeah, I mean, whatever you can do to promote your brand, that's cool. All right, there's uh, Jim on the, uh, uh, in the chat room. They're, again, discussing games coming up or fans talking college football. Uh, I admit I'm upset because a USC fan called the Notre Dame campus a dump. I think he has a seeing eye dog or is mentally ill. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you this. I was very lucky. I went up there to women's basketball in a, uh, in a regional when Baylor women played Notre Dame, and it was in the second game they were beating Notre Dame winning with uh, McGraw, the coach. But I, it was cold. I had just flown in from what, Paul? Long Beach or whatever it was because we were covering Baylor, Wisconsin men's basketball in California. Drove most of the night from Chicago. It, it was dreary, kind of what you would think. It was probably in, what, early to mid-March. But there is so much historical perspective of that campus that it blows you away. But as far as I couldn't tell you if it's a beautiful campus or not because it was just like almost a late winter still there. So I can't answer. But, Jim, thanks for the comment. Uh, someone brought up USC and their lack of defense. Chris Cobb, Lincoln Roddy never believes in defense at Oklahoma. Now USC, you can score, but you can't stop anybody. Definitely Lincoln is an average. 
They uh, had a little bright spot there at the beginning of the season where you thought, oh, well, hey, the defense looks better. And then it quickly was like, oh, no, no, it's just it's pretty much <laughs> what we thought it was going to be. That's problematic. I mean, no doubt about it. I think that's what's so refreshing for Oklahoma is that you're not just winning, but you're winning with defense. Like, you know that travels. You know that that's going to aid you in the SEC in the rest of this year in, you know, perhaps a college football playoff berth. Um, not just, you know, this year, like I said, but also moving forward into the following years. I mean, that's the kind of template that can – you know, win your titles. And, you know, Lincoln Riley's teams win a lot of games, and he won a lot of Big 12 championships but could not get over that hump. And it's like, well, what's the missing piece? Well, it's not the quarterback. It's not the offense. It's it's the defense. And so, yeah, until he changes the narrative, uh, that's going to always be the sticking point and the main criticism with him. And, you know, for the fans who watch his teams, I mean, USC fans, you're just, you're just Oklahoma fans, you know, a few years ago uh, with how you feel about what you see. Like, oh, quarterback's awesome. Offense is tremendous defense can't you know hold water and so uh that's that's just part of what comes with the territory that that's what you signed up for and so uh, i don't know what the the undying loyalty is to alex grinch and why it seems like he refuses to budge there um but you know something is going to have to give whether that's him just saying you know what i'm going to the nfl or somebody saying no if you're gonna stick around here like you have to make a change defensively because this is just not working and it's been proven at two different institutions over a number of years so we'll see how this this season plays out the rest of the way but it is very groundhog day to go wake up and go out to a Lincoln Riley team offense is awesome but the defense isn't very good yeah we've heard that before there was a question about the defense earlier this week his response was on the defense and the perception a lot of people in the media had their mind made up that the first second, uh, the first time that was uh, the first second there was any adversity this year, it was like, oh my God, they should have done this or they should have done that, have made some changes. That was his response earlier well, in the uh, week. Look, I don't. I mean, that's if he's that's what he's got to tell himself. Then fine, exactly. But, yeah. Um, I mean, the the numbers aren't lying, especially the last two weeks in particular. If you take what they did jumping out to a huge lead against Colorado and almost blowing that one and then giving up a huge lead to Arizona to start the game and having to fight back and win that one in double overtime, um, you know, to be like, well, our defense only gave up 31 after, and some of that was in overtime after the 17 to, to nothing deficit we, we fell into. Well, dude, like, like you got to look at all the numbers at the same time equally. Like you can't, um, you can't just you know pick and choose what you want. Um, so yeah, that well that. But he was saying it's already everyone was going to see that as soon as it was any kind of uh, perception. <laughs> so yeah, um, with uh, USC and <laughs> with USC. Um, We'll Playing Notre in a second. Dame, yeah. Um, I, I think with his comments, it's uh, you know, I guess there's people who are super critical of the defense and whatever. I'm not, you know, jumping to the well. He has to fire somebody because we talked about that earlier. Like how everybody needs to fire somebody and fire somebody and whatever. I don't think that you necessarily, and it might be different out there. Maybe that's what all the people around LA are saying that that actually care about USC. Um, I'm not saying you have to fire Alex Grinch like now at the first sign of adversity. If that's what he's talking about, but I mean, it's been like a common thing now for like multiple years at two different institutions. So if you are sitting there playing with a high-level quarterback and a high-level offense, and the only thing that's preventing you from winning the national title is the defense, well, of course that's where people are going to focus. Of course that's where people are going to look. 
And when that's the ultimate goal and that's what you're not accomplishing, but you're getting paid to accomplish, then, hey, where do you look to pinpoint the weaknesses? On the defensive side of the football. And it just so happens that that's the same guy who, you know, was the cause or, or somewhat of the cause of those, you know, in years past. So, yeah, that's absolutely where people are going to be focused. And you've got to understand that. But, um, yeah, like I said, let's see how the rest of the way plays out. All right. So here, uh, Paul, one quick note about you and your trip to Austin. I wish mm-hmm. my wife liked football. She won't watch it on TV 24-7 Hallmark Channel. Mm-hmm. Bobby B., oh. make sure you get down to El Arroyo or Z Tejas, killer margaritas for lunch. Uh, yeah, and, and we might do that. She, I told her because she's not experienced Austin really at all. We went down there like one time for like a day trip. So I told her just make a list of things that you want to do. I'm, I'm, I'm figuring this marriage thing out. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm chauffeuring and tour guiding and dealing with what will be monstrous traffic. Beijing-like yeah. traffic. Beijing? Yes. Yeah, Austin no. traffic is uh, terrible. It, it is. It's like Houston. All right. Uh, we'll have Taylor McCarg of ESPN. Craig, anything else on that? No. Nope. But, yeah, it was interesting. You, we brought up the, the, the couple of the chat comments about USC and the defense because I saw that quote earlier. I saw the video. I listened to it with Riley and, of course, a lot of different people. There was one USC fan that has a blog that said it pains him that Oklahoma has already surpassed USC – in what is the second year under Venables, and they're doing it even though they gave up a lot of yards to Texas with defense as the core of what they're doing. Of course, Dylan Gabriel was huge. We're joined by Taylor McCarg, former Rice quarterback, ESPN, uh, with us on 365 Sports. Taylor, thanks for your time. Let's start with that. Your thoughts about Dylan Gabriel and what he was able to do, and especially that last drive, and then under pressure to throw the touchdown pass. Yeah, I thought it was his his best performance to this point of the season by a mile and I know we talked last week about you know, I just had not seen enough from him to have a lot of faith in uh, him at critical points in the game and especially delivering the ball downfield I thought SMU when that game was tight late that that gave me a lot of concern in his ability to create separation in this game against Texas and, and that obviously was not the case now on the flip side I thought Texas played you know, by far their most poor game of the season. The three turnovers uh, really struggled in the red zone again. They outgained Oklahoma, and I think if you, if you play that game again, I think Texas is probably favored. But credit to Oklahoma for making plays when they needed to, and especially for the red zone defense. I thought that was maybe the most impressive piece of that entire game for Oklahoma. Did your opinion change about Texas at all? Yeah, maybe slightly, but I still think – they are, they're going to be favored the rest of the way in. The, the Big 12 slate for them is not that challenging. And I think you probably see Oklahoma and Texas in the Big 12 championship. And on a neutral site, like they just were, is Texas going to be favored? Probably. And again, if Texas wins that game because of Oklahoma's non-conference schedule, I think Texas would be the team that would advance. They'd both be sitting there at 12-1. and one. I think Texas is the team that would advance in the playoffs. But I thought it was really disappointing for Quinn Ewer's performance. Um, came out of the gate, you know, the, the turnover early on. I believe it was the first possession. That that can't happen. If you're a guy that you know, you were talking about him for Heisman contention, you can't throw that ball in that situation and be that late on a, a simple slant route. And I thought that was disappointing. But a lot of football still ahead of them. They're going to have an opportunity to uh, redeem themselves if they can get through the rest of the conference late. And again, I mean, they're going to be favored. In a lot of these games in the Big 12 schedule, they're going to be favored by two scores the rest of the way in. 
Taylor, before we uh, start looking ahead, another one from last week that was uh, much publicized and had a very interesting outcome was Alabama and A&M. Uh, your thoughts on what you saw unfold there in College Station? I thought it, it, that came down to coaching as much as anything else. And for Aggie fans that are upset with Jimbo Fisher, I think it's warranted uh, how the second half especially was managed. Uh, Jalen Milrow, I, I, the, Alabama has clearly honed in on what he excels at, and they're tailoring the game plan to running the football, quarterback run game, and then when they take shot plays, that's a lot of their passing game. They're not asking him to stand in and you know work through a full progression. It's quick game, it's screens, and then it's throw the ball deep. Get it over the top, give your guys a shot on the outside. But again, for A&M, they had, I was going to say, a chance to win that game. They had more than a chance to win that game. And uh, it was really disheartening if you're an A&M fan to see how that game was coached and managed down the stretch. Oregon and Washington, and what is the highest-rated game of the weekend? Your thoughts about uh, Penix, obviously with Bo Nix, two unbeaten teams, highly ranked, and what a game it should be. Well, how awesome is it that in the last year of the Pac-12, maybe it's awesome, maybe it's sad, that some of the best teams in college football are in the Pac-12, and your top three Heisman contenders right now, Bo Nix, Penix, and uh, Caleb Williams at USC are all quarterbacks in the Pac-12. I think this is going to be a fantastic game. Uh, you're going to see, for anybody that hasn't watched Washington yet, you're going to see some of the best receivers in college football. I think they have three legitimate NFL targets on the outside. Penix is playing fantastic. Uh, this is going to be a really fun college football game. And it's also, from an entertainment standpoint, it's going to be great to see college game day out there. Pat McAfee is going to have a little bit of a reckoning uh, going to the West Coast. I think the fans will, will give him their warmest welcome. But that, this is by far the most intriguing game of the weekend. Taylor, Miami had the biggest gaffe you could imagine last week. They roll in to play a very good North Carolina team this week. Will the coaching staff be hyper-focused, or will they be maybe over-correcting for their under-coaching last week? Yeah, you, you hope that uh, you can just move past it. But honestly, that's the kind of mistake that these are the kind of things that can derail an entire season. And what's also disheartening is you know, this happened before with Justin Herbert that when he was the quarterback at Oregon and Mario Cristobal had this happen once before at Oregon. And, and I still have not heard a great answer for why they managed the end of the game the way that they did. Uh, it, it's still beyond me. And, and it, you said it exactly right. I mean, it's, a, it's an all-time and this will be something that we point back to for years and years on how they failed to close out that game when all they needed to do was take a knee. And you hope that your, your players in the locker room can respond and rally, uh, but it, it's hard to do that when this doesn't give you a ton of faith in your, in your coaching staff. Taylor, your thoughts on uh, just the, the Pac-12 race in general. Has it cleared up in your mind at all? I mean, Lincoln Riley, we were just talking about him and – uh, I, I, let me just ask you about that. He talks about the defense. Do you feel like the defense is rightfully a concern and a talking point, or do you think that people lay it on a little too thick when it comes to Alex Grinch and, and the deficiencies there? No, it's, I think in, in all honesty, it probably deserves more attention than it's getting. I mean, this is a team that on the offensive side of the ball is one of the best in college football, but on the defensive side, they are a, in the bottom tier in terms of scheme in all of the power five. And Arizona is a much improved team, but the mistakes that that defense makes week in and week out 
these are, are schematic issues. You have guys that their eyes are not in the wrong spot. They're not being coached well, and they don't get after the quarterback. And at that level, when you're talking about competing for a Pac-12 championship and getting to the Final Four, they're not in the same tier with Oregon, Washington. Uh, I think you know, in, in certain circumstances, I would take Washington State over them because they're going Washington State will be able to score for the most part on anybody. Um, and then for Utah, it's really for Utah, it just depends on where you're playing them. If you have to play them at Utah, uh, you're probably not winning that game. But, you know, the Pac-12 has been, in my opinion, maybe the best storyline of the season just because there's so much talent in that conference, especially at the top. And you just hope that they don't cannibalize themselves and end up missing the playoff like they typically do. But uh, this is going to be a really entertaining back half of the season following that conference. Taylor, you had the game earlier, right? Louisiana Tech, Middle Tennessee State. Your thoughts on that one? Yeah, we did. We had a Tuesday night game. Uh, it, was, it was good to see Middle Tennessee put a four-quarter performance together. Uh, look, I'm a fan of the of the midweek game. Uh, we had different reactions. Sonny Cumbie talked about how they, you know, their players seem to enjoy it, enjoy being on the national television stage. Middle Tennessee was kind of the other direction. They were like, it's hard on our kids. We played four games in 18 days. So I think it, you know, it depends on. Uh, some schools have uh, handled it a little bit better. Middle Tennessee's had the injury bug, but I certainly enjoyed uh, having the midweek game. You kind of want a standalone stage, and and now we had to. Uh, we've got Navy and Charlotte on Saturday, so back to some American action. Taylor, thank you. Enjoy the week. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the broadcast. We appreciate the insight. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Taylor McCarg, former Rice quarterback, college football analyst, did a game Tuesday night, does one again coming up this weekend. What a great job. What a great job. When we come back, Craig Smoke and off the radar, uh, around the corner, this is 365 Sports. Our college football picks at just after 510. Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac. They are the people that you can count on for great customer service, great pricing, and uh, well, just a, a great time getting your car fixed up or just getting something as simple as an oil change. And right now, the uh, const- uh, construction outside of the dealership and all along Highway 6 is uh, it's a bit of a hassle. It's a bit dug up right now, but they want to make it worth your while getting on over to the dealership. And right now, you can save over $7,000 on new 2023 GMC Sierra 1500s and qualified buyers can finance for 0.9%. Uh, they've got dozens of Sierras on the lot. They've got inventory, the price, and the financing to get you into a new GMC Sierra today. And if you're a military or first responder, uh, well, you can save an additional $500. That also goes with the Buick lineups if you're eyeing those. They've got the perfect combo of first-class luxury and value like no other, ranked number one overall brand for new vehicle quality by J.D. Powers. Buick offers amazing value and right now you can save five thousand on a new full-size 2023 buick enclave or save four thousand on a 2023 mid-size buick envision and again five hundred dollars off for military and first responders so those are some of their new offerings they've also got a lot full of quality pre-owned cars and trucks as well and their financing goal is 100 percent credit approval they say yes when others say no but if you're not in the market for a new vehicle you're just looking to get your car fixed up or, like I said, get something as simple as an oil change with their award-winning service department is standing by to keep you on the road. And right now, they cannot be beat on tires. They are offering a price match guarantee on the lowest price comparable tires in town. So service your car or truck, again, with the people that you can count on at Richard Carr. And people have been able to count on them for over 24 years here in the Central Texas area. All during that time, two decades plus, they built a reputation as the ones to go to for your automotive needs. So, uh, 
Go check out the dealership, whether online uh, or in person or over the phone. A dealership run by proud Central Texans and proud Baylor Bears. Log on to richardcar.com today. Call them now. Go see them now off Highway 6 at the Imperial Exit. From the first workout to the last practice, sports is an incredible and rewarding challenge. Hi, this is Dan Ingham with the First National Bank of Central Texas, and we're proud to support each athlete, every parent, and our educators. From families, small businesses, to the biggest industry, we're here to help. With remarkable products like our free First Mobile app, we've got banking ideas that fuel big dreams. That's the First National Bank of Central Texas. Familiar faces making local decisions. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovi. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for. Try the sick'em sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, Ideal MRI. This is Craig Smokes Off the Radar, presented by Alliance Bank. They take pride in making banking easy, AllianceBankTexas.com. All right, welcome into Off the Radar here on 365 Sports. It's a Thursday at around 445, so time to stop down and take a look at a batch of headlines that we might other, otherwise not get to uh, during the course of this show, which leans so heavily towards college athletics. But I will sprinkle in college athletics from time to time as it warrants. Um, and I think a little bit of a mention here 
uh, especially for the realignment junkies. But no, everything is something until it's not, right, when it comes to what specifically talking about board meetings and right. things like that. So I just thought I'd pass this along because this is just from a few minutes ago. But uh, Bob Thompson had, had put this out and. Now, I guess a couple of uh, reporters as well up from the Northwest area. Um, I'm not big. uh, Greg Woods from the Spokesman Review, one of those. I'm not big on the whole every time there's a meeting call, let's watch this one. But if Bob Thompson's making note of it, then I think it's worth mentioning. So there's all this stuff going on, obviously, with Washington State and Oregon State. They're in mediation. There was the report today by John Wilner about, um, you know, the fact that uh, USC and UCLA might have set precedent, and that's part of the big argument of you know these other schools leaving and what that means as far as what Oregon State and Washington State would uh, be able to claim ownership of when it comes to Pac-12 assets. But that was quickly followed up by um, the fact that there was more money missing than originally thought uh, from their, their pool. Uh, now that's all for further, deeper conversation. Like I, I've seen some of the side talk about that, and, and I'm not a legal guy, so uh, maybe that's already been taken into account. I'm not sure, but point being that Comcast, that whole deal was even worse than we originally thought by like millions of dollars worse than we thought. So we'll see how that all gets taken care of. But point being that now, so it's been a very busy day in that regard, but now Greg Woods, among others, Bob Thompson reporting that, or Bob Thompson not reporting, passing along that uh, the Washington State Board of Regents are holding a meeting tomorrow at 10, 15 a.m. that will be broadcast on YouTube. So uh, that is being sent out because legally they have to do that uh, to to make notice of that public meeting or have the the public comment period and all of that. So you will be able to watch that. I'm not saying it's going to mean anything or result in anything, but... You know, like I said, it is notable with all that's swirling on right now that there could be something of interest that does come from that. So if you're into, you know, watching the the board meetings and you feel like there's something here, uh, well, then tomorrow at 10.15, I would assume that's West Coast time, uh, there will be a public meeting for Washington State on YouTube with their uh, chair of the Board of Regents and company, uh, the whole Board of Regents getting together. Doesn't it, like, bring back memories of all the board meetings that they kept having? It almost, like, gave me the EBGBs when you said, yes, yes. And that's why I first saw it, and I was like, I don't know. But, I mean, all the news today and then that, I can understand why you're trying to put two and two together. And and who the heck knows at this point? I mean, I'm, you know, who the heck knows? So Yeah. Uh, Especially Smokey, that's, like, one of your, like, claustrophobia and meetings are – like two things. No, I don't. I don't like. I, I, claustrophobia is way, way up here. Yeah. Meetings would be. Are they like with snakes? Like snakes? Yes. Would you rather? Okay, I could get those rattlesnake guys in here again. Snakes and needles. Would you rather? Snakes leads. Would you rather get snakes in the room on the show again, Never. the rattlesnake guys, or sit through a, a meeting about conference decisions? Meeting. Okay. Meaning snakes <laughs> snakes are always snakes and claustrophobia are my two biggest fears. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that'll be tomorrow. So for those that are interested in those types of things, maybe something, maybe nothing. Determine for yourself. I'll just catch up on the news after the fact personally, but uh, there is that out there. So wanted to mention that because that is a little bit off of the radar. Meanwhile, a lot of the news today is not really news news in terms of headlines and things like that. It's really just the games that are being played out there. Um, so, for example, uh, there is uh, some baseball tonight, but first things first, we didn't talk at all about the Rangers going to the freaking ALCS uh, well, yesterday. Like, I not even a single to, mention uh, of it. We were not trying to be homers, but I'm glad you're jumping into that. Yeah, so the Rangers clinched their spot in the uh, ALCS two nights ago. Big deal for that franchise. And then last night, the Astros clinched the other half of 
the ALCS bracket. So the American League Championship Series is set. It will be a Lone Star Showdown, Rangers, Astros, and I've already seen quite a few people make mention that this will be the most toxic championship series <laughs> imaginable. And I tend to agree, based on what I've seen on social media throughout the year, especially with the Rangers being good, um, that has you know definitely spiced things up. But uh, we'll have you know game number one coming up here this weekend. But what are y'all's thoughts on Rangers Astros in the I, American League Championship Series? If in fact John Gray and Max Scherzer are back, I I think this one is one that. It's looking like a six and seven gamer. I mean, because I do think that there'll be some back and forth. The Astros are so good in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Although, like, neither team, like, the, the reason the Rangers and Astros are both so good, and the Rangers lineup, I think that maybe player for player, if you had to just holistically, you would take it. You know, one to nine is a little bit better because there's no Martin Maldonado in it. Um, but both the lineups are really good. The pitching staffs are really good. The Astros have a better bullpen, which might be the difference in the series. But if everybody, if the pitching staff is to as full health as it's been in a long time, uh, with Scherzer and Gray available and then able to push someone like Dane Dunning into long relief and spot duty, then I think that helps the, the bullpen a lot. I think this one's going the distance. Well, the Astros... Have have a closer. Yeah. The Rangers, Leclerc has pitched well, but he's not a guy that's going to blow people away. And then Chapman, of course, is like, Jesus, you never know. <laughs> I mean, God, 7-1 to one lead against Baltimore, and you're wondering after he loads the bases, are they going to be able to hold on? And that was in the eighth inning. They got out of it, though. Yeah, yeah. they did. They did. And, I mean, but uh, I know what you're saying. Man, yeah. he makes me nervous. I... I'm trying to get, you know, here's a stat. No lead is safe. That's here, that's for I, sure with, with Aroldis Chapman and just their, their bullpen. No. Yeah. Here's a stat. And stop me, Craig, if I am about to say something. I had this because I knew you'd probably talk Rangers and Astros. In the last year, seven years, the Astros have a 79-39 and 39 record against the Rangers. The seven years prior to that, the Rangers had a 67-27 and 27 record against Houston. You add those games up, and they're 106 and 106 in the last 14 years against each other. That's pretty incredible. With the Astros having yeah. a huge advantage lately. Yeah, I mean, especially lately, they've they've definitely caught up. Uh, this year, they're nine and four against the Rangers. So, if you believe the previous games will play into this, then you would you would lean Astros uh, based on the fact they doubled them up. Uh, nine to four throughout the regular season. Uh, we do know it'll be Justin Verlander on the mound for the Rangers starting things off. Or excuse me, for the Astros starting things off. Rangers have not announced their starting pitcher for game number one as of yet. But yeah, that's coming up uh, this weekend. So uh, very much looking forward to it. At the same time, as a, a Rangers fan, very nervous about just the whole thing, and uh, certainly you know respectful of the Astros and, and what they've done seven straight championship series they've now been that's incredible you can say whatever you want you can discuss whatever you want you can bring up whatever you want that is ridiculous that that is ridiculous and if the rangers want to win and get to the world series if you want to beat the team that has been your worst problem the, the team in your own division the team that has world series titles uh, and that's Houston. And you remember, uh, Aroldis Chapman started out pretty good with the Rangers, and then I think it was McCormick or Tucker that hit one about 800 feet. And from that point on, his cape was off. And, and, and they ended up, like, 
blowing out the Rangers in the last series they played too. Well, I mean, the Astros' history with Chapman goes back to the Yankees yes. and, and that as well. So, yeah, they're, they're not fearful of him in any way, and I don't know anybody that really is at this point, but uh, that'll be a hell of a series. It's going to start Sunday night, uh, 7-15, first pitch down in H-Town at Minute Maid Park. I did think about this. Like, how much do you think the new ballpark played into all this? I mean, I'm not giving – like, it's not that's not why they have Josh Young and all that, but – just, I mean, the way they've been able to play, especially late, like would they be doing that if it was the ballpark in Arlington and well, they've been playing in 107 degrees well, I think during weekdays? Particularly this summer, maybe not. Yeah. Because I think sometimes that's a summer-to-summer summer thing because there have been great Rangers teams that, you know, withstood the heat in that ballpark because they were built well, but also maybe they didn't have a summer like this El Nino heat dome bull crap that Brutal, we just went man. through. Brutal. And Is that in the dictionary, El Nino heat dome bull crap? It should be now, but... It was, I mean, when you're talking about 110 degrees, and then, like, when it's 110 degrees, it's like 117 on the field and stadiums mm -hmm. because the sun's just beating down. You know, they, uh, it's still 95 degrees at night, you know, so <laughs> and you don't even... Yeah, you don't even have to, like, that break of, like, well, when the sun goes down, this will be 20, well, 20 degrees cooler. Well, when we 20 degrees cooler is still 95. When we were walking out of the studio day after day, week after week, month after month, you would walk out that studio, and it's 6.15, and it would just beat you up. Yeah, so, yeah. no, I think that the new stadium certainly played a, an Great advantage question. for them this year because this particular summer was excessively brutal. Yeah, so I was, I was wondering about that, you know, with uh, the Astros having had Minute Maid Park for so long, and it's like the Rangers get this ballpark, and two years in, they're already, you know, well, this deep. And I just was thinking, yeah, no, it's definitely the talent they have. Like, that's the biggest reason why is their lineup and their starting rotation, you know, all that. But I do think that especially this, it, yeah, it absolutely aided them in, well, in, in being able to get to this well, point. I mean, like, you know, you can look at some, like, NFL things, too, though, like, um, I'll just use the Cowboys as an example. How many times have the Cowboys maybe been stumbled up because their trips over the East Coast were in November and December, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. So, uh, Rangers-Astros coming okay. up on Sunday. I have one more stat on the Rangers and Astros. <laughs> I got other stuff. So the last go. time they played was in early September, and the Rangers were outscored 39-10. to 10. In that series, oh, that's that's nothing. No, I don't. That, I mean, that was not the same Rangers team we've been watching. No, here that was lately. when they were deep, they were they were struggling. Yeah, and, and, they were not uh, very They good. bounced back and got back in the lead. Yeah, but yeah, they got humiliated by Houston. You hope that is something that uh, they remember. I'm sure they do. I'm I'm, yeah, I'm sure they do. <laughs> they we want Houston was all the rage and chance of the other night at the ballpark. Well, and so yeah, them. I think that they're they're very well aware, and I think that that's what they wanted. That's what the fans wanted. That's what Houston wanted. So you're going to get it. Lone Star Showdown or whatever the name they come up with the market it will be. Um, but that will be toxic and yet fascinating and uh, very well could be an all-time classic between these two. We'll see. On the other side of the bracket, the Diamondbacks advanced uh, with a sweep of the Dodgers and the Dodgers, the number two seed in the National League. You got the number one seed that's hanging in the balance right now with the Atlanta Braves that I'll get to in a moment. But Diamondbacks do advance, so three of the four now set up and awaiting who the Diamondbacks will be playing. As of right now, the Phillies lead 
that series over in the NLDS against the Braves, two games to one, and uh, we'll get uh, game number four coming up on TBS later on tonight uh, as the Phillies lead that series uh, two games uh, to one, as I mentioned, and Bryce Harper with a couple of dingers after a little bit of drama and, you know, locker room oh, yeah. talk and all of that with the, the Braves. Uh, so he, he made a statement last night. That'll be a first pitch just after seven, as I said, on TBS. So any thoughts on the National League, the way that's shaken out I'm with stunned. the D-backs now meeting what could be the Phillies as soon as tonight. Stunned. Yeah, I um yeah, I'm a little stu- like the Dodgers doesn't surprise me as much that they're that they struggled because outside of Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, their lineup's really not that good. And they were both awful in this yeah. series. They yeah. were terrible. So um Did you not give Max Muncie any credit? I mean, he hit one ninety five this year. Yeah, you know, so like, yeah. I'm it, it, yeah. I mean, he he has some home runs, but he's not on base a lot. Um, the Braves surprises me right now that they're trailing in the series is because their lineup is fantastic. Their pitching's been really good all year, but of course, it's been backed by you know seven billion home runs that they hit. Mm-hmm. And so, when you don't hit those home runs, then the pitching's not maybe as tough. And the Phillies. You know, Bryce Harper is the emotional center of that team, and they've got dogs like Kyle Schwarber, who I know is, um, you know, he's like one of those guys like Max Muncy. It's either going out of the park or it's not anything. But playoff-wise, you want Schwarbs on your team. I uh, mean, and absolutely. so you, they, they are – that's an old-school school. Alton type Philadelphia Phillies team and Bryce Harper. I can't imagine. Like, I know there are people, especially in Atlanta, who hate his guts. But again, one of the best parts of baseball right now is a guy like Bryce Harper. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and that was that was fun watching him last night, the stare down and getting his little measure of uh, see, yeah, talking talking s, huh? Well, this is what happens. So yeah, that was that was cool. And uh, now, yeah, like I said, game four later on tonight, so we could have the final four all set up. I would read this, but Kim Coulter sent me a text message that may be as big as a thick Bible uh, about his history of watching the Rangers when he was fourteen years old when they moved to Arlington, and then he moved to Phoenix, and of course Arizona eventually was there. Uh, and so he's kind of torn on that, the Diamondbacks and the Rangers, if, in fact, they were to meet. Yeah, a long way away from that, but uh, maybe we do get there uh, here in the next few days or in a little over a week's time. We will see as uh, that all starts to uh, starts to get underway here later on this weekend. Uh, elsewhere, tonight, a couple college football games on the tube as you've got uh, SMU and ECU. Uh, 6.30 kickoff on ESPN. The Mustangs 3-2, and two, the Pirates 1-4. So there's a little uh, action for you out there at East Carolina. But, of course, the game that we're most interested in because of the implications in the Big 12 and just the questions about, like, West Virginia, can they keep this going? Houston, how bad are they? And then the whole Holgerson thing of just who's going to have the bragging rights. Uh, West Virginia at Houston, 6 p.m. That'll kick off here in a little over an hour on FS1. West Virginia... Four and one favored here. Uh, Houston, meanwhile, two and three. If they were to win this game and you know win a game at home, mm. uh, and I'm sure Holgerson would be over the moon uh, being able to beat West Virginia. But they'd all of a sudden be at 500, and I still don't think that they're very good. But hey, if they're 500 through six games, I consider that a win for Houston. So very interesting result coming up later on tonight. But I, I definitely lean Mountaineers. You just never know though on these Thursday night games. And, um, yeah, it, it's going to be fun to see how that one shakes out. Uh, do you all have a prediction of any sort as far as West Virginia-Houston goes? I'll, I'll take West Virginia. Yeah, I, I think I, it's the, the easy choice. Yeah. They're gritty, man. I like yeah. I, They find a way to win. It's not always pretty, but they win. And they're winning. And, 
you know, it's a road trip. It's in the middle of the week, a short week. But I, 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 I really do like how they're playing. Well, they, they came off by, so yeah, yeah. So they had a long week. Yeah, they had a, a long week. Still uh, a short week. Both of them did. <laughs> yeah. um, both of them did. So yeah, there you go. So West Virginia, Houston later on tonight, and then close it out with this: the Amazon Prime Thursday night game. Broncos at the Chiefs uh, kicks off at 7:15 on Prime. The Broncos one and four, uh, the Chiefs four and one. So not sure how much entertainment we're really in for tonight uh, with this game and how competitive it will be. But it is a heated rivalry. It is a divisional game, and uh, the Chiefs are the Chiefs, so they're going to get eyeballs regardless. But yeah, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, and Sean Payton, Andy Reid, and however else you want to break this down. But the Broncos have been struggling. They've been bad, and uh, the Chiefs have been you know pretty good as usual so that's later on tonight broncos chiefs jack did you get the te- i'm not sure if you got the email i sent it to garrett's uh about baseball's teams who were left okay all right craig you want to read this this is something i peeled out very late I just sent go it ahead you. all right so the braves won 104 games right mm-hmm. and they trail now two games to one baltimore won 101 games they're done la won 100 games they're done Tampa Bay won 99 games. They're done. Milwaukee won the next best, 92. They're done. Houston and Texas won 90. They're alive. Philadelphia won 90. They're alive. And Arizona won 84, and they're alive. The four lowest seeds are at least three have moved on, and one of them is waiting if they can win one more game. Yeah, um... I, I I don't know like I don't know what that means. I think the uh, the ALE surprises me a little bit because that was a really tough division all year long. I mean, their their two bottom teams would have won the AL Central. So um, you know, like it, it was weird that that's that's how that shook out. But you know, um, Texas came in ready to go and took out the AL East, and then you know the, Dude, they barely the, made the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, when all exactly. said done, they yeah. flew from yeah. Seattle straight over the state of Texas to Tampa. Yeah. And then went up to Baltimore, right? Yeah. So they, yeah, they just came in apparently, you know, locked and loaded, and the Astros were better than the Twins no matter what. And then you get, you've put that team in the postseason setting, and that, I mean, they already know. They're, they have a default setting for the postseason. Yeah, it's amazing that no one from the American League East with Baltimore out, Toronto uh, yeah. obviously got knocked out late. Tampa Bay got knocked out immediately. All right, when we come back, that was Craig's Off the Radar. Thank you very much. And... Our college football picks, five games, five good ones. We don't put anything in there that's ugly or 40-point favorites. It's hard, and we'll give you the standings, and we'll give you our absolute picks. That's next on 365 Sports. Marco's Pizza. Pizza lovers get it. Bob Mock, the owner of five locations in Waco, the fastest-growing pizza company and brand in America, and five of them here in in Waco, in the Waco area, two in uh, Woodway, Hewitt, just south of town, Robinson, Bellmead, and China Spring. Marco's Pizza, Marco's Pizza, Pizza lovers get it. Go online. You can get all sorts of discounts. You can find your favorite pizza. You can build the one you want and find a way with a code to get something, take it off of that as far as the total price. They have sandwiches and salads, and they have wings, and they have drinks, and they have all of that, too, but they have great pizza. Marco's Pizza, five locations in Waco. Thanks to Bob Mock. Pizza lovers get it. 
takes time to reach goals. It's a truth that applies to more than sports. It goes for your financial goals as well. You work hard for your money, and you deserve an investment strategy that lines up with your game plan. And Chuck Verno, your Edward Jones financial advisor, can help. If financial investments aren't putting forth the effort you desire, stop by today for a financial review. Chuck Verno, 720 North 64th Street in Waco, 254-732-1161. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle, we move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Samantha Duball, Marketing Director for TexasBeefHouse.com. You know all about their great Wagyu beef and product they have. You can go to TexasBeefHouse.com for anything you want to order. But, Samantha, thanks for your time. There's an auction coming up in the month of November. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so November 11th, we're having our first public beef auction. Um, It's going to be here at our ranch in White House, Texas. It's going to be a live auction. You can bid in person. You can bid on the phone or we'll also have it online. And we're auctioning off Wagyu and Angus beef. We'll have 30 to 40-pound bundles. They'll be full of steaks, hamburger, and primals. This is perfect for not only the restaurant owners, but also homeowners. So if somebody wants to load up your deep freezer with some great, great product from a place that is just delivering all of the time, what Wagyu from their ranch to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. During Ram Power Days at Allen Samuels, shop our great selection of brand new Ram trucks designed to be durable, functional, and stylish. Allen Samuels in Waco is the place to shop Ram trucks. Come by and see our large selection today or browse online at allensamuelsdcj.com. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is brought to you by Edward Jones Investments and financial advisor Chuck Verno, who'll navigate you through today's financial climate. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. All right, I was going to put this in the chat room. I'm going to just say it on the air. We're about to make five picks, five different games, all of them really difficult the way it should be. Uh, it's not against the spread. It's straight up winning, and it's still difficult. When I mention a game that Paul and Craig and I will then predict, you fire away who you would pick. And we'll not, we'll, again, it's going to be quick. We got a little time here. If I, for example, was to say whatever, you know, like who, and it's not one of the games, you go boom, 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 boom. You tell us who you would pick, and I'll just kind of read them off as we possibly can. Now, yeah. is that okay? Yeah, it's fine. Here are the standings. So far, through this weekend's games, at the top, 
continues to be the young man who puts the picks in. Emery. Yeah, he's uh, he's doing well. He's 16 and 14. Craig has come back from the depth to tie Pablo at 15 and 15. I was I was one and four last week. Good. So the way it should be. Yeah. I was uh, uh, go ahead, Greg. Yeah, I was I think two and three uh last week. Uh but no, I mean given how the first week started, especially, I've I'm proud to be at five hundred at this point and especially given that like I, I see a lot of other picks and, and people ask like why don't we'll get we'll do the spread when we get a gambling sponsor how about that like we'll yeah. we'll pick games with a spread when we have a reason to pick games with the spread because I'm not going to pretend to be some expert when it comes to that um, but there's no like hey let's throw um, you know Texas versus uh, Houston on here and get an automatic win or you know things like that like yeah. we try to pick the five most difficult games to pick pretty much every week and the way the season has gone and the way college football is. You got to be pretty special to have like a super, you know, eighty no. percent winning record you or go something four like and that. One, yeah, man. you jump quickly. It's tough. All right, uh, Jack McKenzie. By the way, we have royalty today producing our show, directing our show. I am right there. I think I was three and two. I think I just kind of held my own. And then uh, Garrett's going to get fired. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's done. He's just been in it. One of the reasons he's not here, part of his suspension. <laughs> Level yeah. one violations. Yeah, he... Now making me nervous that I've got almost all the same picks as him. <laughs> no. No. no, but I, I mean, look, like I said, it's, it's a toss-up every week here. Yeah. All right, go to the chat. We're going to go to the chat room. The first game is the USC-Notre Dame game. There could be bad weather. We'll read off the first five of you who give us a pick. Uh, on the chat room, but we'll start with us. Paul, you're taking USC. Yeah, um, I'm taking USC because of Caleb Williams. You know how much of a Stan Hartman fan I am. Uh, I do think that Notre Dame will will muddy this one up, and they will attack USC physically in a way that they probably have not seen before, especially in South Bend. That's what these Marcus Freeman teams do. I just think I, I think Caleb Williams will be too much. I know that USC is playing with fire. I think they continue to do that, but they don't get burned yet until they jump back into the Pac-12, and then I think that's where their problems will really start. Craig, you took uh, Notre Dame. Yeah, I did. Um, I think you know the weather could potentially play into this. I definitely think that that's a, a potential factor. That's something that's going to be fascinating too with the Pac schools when they start to. And I know it's not like sunshine and rainbows up in Oregon and Washington all the time by any means. Like they're not you know oblivious to the cold and rain and snow and all that stuff. But it is a little bit of a different animal. So I don't know. I, I think that that could come into play. Um, and you know, I think Notre Dame having lost. I just think that there's a little extra gear there potentially uh, to bounce back and have a big performance. And just a showdown of two stud quarterbacks, uh, I just slightly lean the Irish here, uh, getting a little bit of a rebound. And, and I don't like the way that USC has been playing with fire. Um, I just think that they've you know, been able to kind of get by um, despite their defensive efficiencies. And uh, I think that Notre Dame could possibly uh, bring that to an end. All right. I took Notre Dame. There'll be 80,000 or so. I think capacity is just over 77,000. It's natural grass. So it could get a little bit somewhat slippery, but could get muddy, kind of old school. I'm old school, and so I take Notre Dame. And, and yeah, USC's weapons. And what's the young man who's the, 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 the lightning fast? He doesn't get a lot of touches. Malachi something. Well, Zachariah Branch. Yeah, he's a little bit. He might be in and out. Kind Malachi, of, Zachariah Branch. Yeah. <laughs> Malachi's the backup quarterback. There's an eye in there. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Paxton took Notre Dame. Bob took Notre Dame. Wet Blanket, Notre Dame. Kim, touchdown, D Jesus. Camelo, Notre Dame because of better defense. Altoid takes USC. Uh, and then also John Joe took Notre Dame in that pick. All right. 
So we also have the rest of the picks, including Garrett, USC, and Emory takes Notre Dame. Next game, Paul, on an island with UCLA at Oregon State. We're all taking the Beavers, and you are taking Chip Kelly and the Bruins. Yeah, all I'm I'm betting on Dante Moore in the offense to have a good enough game. UCLA's defense has been really good. Uh, DJU's been good, but not great for Oregon State. Um, you know, he started to maybe pick it up a little bit, but I'm taking UCLA in this one. I I. I, I picked against them a couple times. One I was right and one I was wrong. Yep. So we'll see. I mean, if, if, it, if it's every other one, then great. If not, then I don't have a read on UCLA. Craig? I, I think most of these pad games are flip games, honestly, and this is one of those. And I, I think I was kind of on UCLA a little bit before in some of the picks that we did. Didn't get the first one right. Definitely got this latest one right the, that, we, that we had with them beating, what was it, Washington State, I believe yeah. it was last week. Um, and, and I like, you know, uh, the young quarterback, but – He's had his his moments where it's been a little bit shaky. Now, I know DJU hasn't been perfect either, but I think they're just a little bit sturdier there on that side of the football. But that leads you to the matchup that everybody talks about when breaking down this game, which is UCLA's terrific defense versus Oregon State's offense. And can DJU play a clean game, or can the Bruins bring enough pressure and force him to make some mistakes and throw in some interceptions? Uh, I don't know, but uh, I just like Oregon State at home and as a total package more than I like uh, just UCLA's defense and some of their growing pains at this point. So, yeah, this was not a a quick decision. I just slightly lean the uh, Beavers here. I took Oregon State uh, home, and, and, yeah, UCLA's defense, it can travel. Uh, most everybody rattled off. Paxton, Katie, UW, Altoid, uh, Nahomi, Mansa. Also, um, all picked UCLA. And That's then, fair, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then Kim, give me the Beavers, uh, Kim Coulter. Uh, wet blanket, give me Oregon State. James Skaggs gave us a score. James, thank you. Beavers 38-34. So there you are. And Bob Kramer takes oh, Oregon State to win that game. I think, like, again, we were talking about earlier, like you could pick any team in any of these matchups, and you have an argument. Like this isn't, like I said earlier, you know, Kansas of old versus like top-tier TCU. You know, yeah. I mean, this, these are all flip them games, I think, for the most part. Yeah, every one of these is pretty much a flip em game. So, yeah, UCLA, I could definitely see the love there, and we'll see if Paul going out on his own is not the, the right choice here. By the way, Kim Coulter, I'll take Oregon State. I like him at home. Besides, I feel bad for them, so I'm, like, I'm liking him every game. Yeah. Pity pick, yes. Yeah. Well, look, I'm out on an island again for the next one here. Uh, everybody's picking the home, home team, Washington. They're three-point favorites. Uh, Oregon, uh, I, I just think their defense is a little bit better. Uh, and I, I think that's going to be um, where it where it kind of flips this. I I, I went back and I mean I'm, I'm still going back and forth on it, but I, I just think Oregon's defense is a little bit better. Uh, even though Softy made a great point, neither of them have played anybody to each other's caliber yet, so it's going to be tough to see. And Oregon, while they did a number on on that offense at Colorado, who can make some big plays, they haven't seen Jalen McMillan and Romeo Dunze yet, so. You know, we'll see. I just think that that's the I think that's the swing point in this game, but that may be thrown out the window in that the game could be with an over under of sixty six. It could hit in the seventies. You know, combined easily. I, I looked at the weather; it's going to be fine. There's a chance it might sprinkle, but I doubt it. Uh, I I love this. This is one of the most beautiful settings of a stadium in America. Craig, you took Washington along with all the rest of us. Yeah, I don't think the weather really matches. I mean, they're from the same place, basically. So I think they're they're both used to that. The, yeah, the, view the setting the, yeah. of it should be spectacular. Yeah, I mean, I just 
again, this is a coin flip game. Didn't try to overthink this. I think Oregon might actually be the better all-around team, and and not, not just because the numbers say that, but I think they might be. Like their defense is is better, uh, their offense is as good or, or better potentially. Um, but I don't know. I, I tend to to sometimes when in doubt lean towards the home teams um and i just think this is going to be a terrific game and you have to pick somebody so i went with the home uh the hometown dogs here and um give just the benefit of doubt to michael Penix that he's going to be yep. able to make a few plays and, and push them over the top in a you know a potential classic i just think this is going to be great i'm going to have myself the, the sausage queso rotel dip going with a bunch of chips to watch this one on tv i take washington so does garrett so does Emery. Uh, on the board, the homie says Oregon. Uh, Paxton, Oregon in overtime. Mm. John Joe, Oregon State and Oregon. Camelo, uh, Washington, Michael Penix at home field. Yeah. Husky Stadium will be rocking. Uh, Altoid, Michael Penix will show out Washington in a close one. Kim said the Ducks. Kyle said Washington. Katie said Washington. Mansa said Oregon. Wet blanket Washington. And also Mansa said Oregon by one. Or close one. Go ahead. Tip. Next game. Big 12 game. Brigham Young, TCU. I I know it's BYU, TCU. Am I going out on a limb here to think that, that TCU is in a free fall? No, you're not. Uh, and that's, that's why I picked this. Like, I... I I don't know how good BYU really is compared to TCU, but they are they're going to be playing with their backup quarterback. Yes, they're going to be at home, but they are off. They are off. And I I don't know. I uh I just I think BYU might get them here. Um, you know, I, I TCU has better talent i think but it's not come together these last couple weeks and last week was just a rough game uh for them i don't know how they rebound from that well i mean you lost your starting quarterback and you threw a bunch of picks i don't know that byu's defense is iowa state's um i think that uh, there's certainly a lot of concern when you got josh hoover now as compared to having chandler morris but chandler morris wasn't all that great uh either I mean, necessarily. He is better than Josh Hoover, but I do worry about the turnovers here, uh, potentially for TCU and how that could hinder the offense. But um, they've lost a couple games. It's certainly possible they could lose a third. I just got to feel like they're going to rally the troops, and I feel like they should be a bit better than BYU at this point. You know, there is still that acclimation process, and BYU might be blowing through that easier than the other three are. Um, But I just think that top to bottom, TCU is a slightly better team despite – dropping a couple games because there's nothing on BYU's side of things that makes me think, oh, well, they're a clear favorite in that regard. Like, I think TCU's defense can match what BYU's defense does, and I don't think BYU's offense is all that great. So I feel like you're kind of just, again, it's a coin flip sort of splitting hairs here, so I'll default to the team that's been around a little bit longer and done it more and the team that's also at home and and desperately needs a win here. But I I can definitely understand the BYU pick here uh, for both Paul and Emery. Garrett also took TCU. I took TCU and Emery took BYU. That's BYU along with Paul. From the chat room, Katie said, TC who? Hmm. Camelo, BYU with the upset. Kim goes, we're all over the board. Scott, thank you. Cherubino says, TCU and Paxton says, BYU big, TCU defense is bad. I don't think TCU's defense is bad. I don't think BYU's offense is that good either. But, I mean, that's that's certainly, you know, um, a take that we can revisit, uh, you know, on both sides whenever this game ends. Um, but, you know, for BYU to be potentially 5-1 and one in a win in Fort Worth would be 
massive for them with their only loss being against Kansas on the road. So, um, you know, they've been able to, to string together a nice start, and this would certainly be a, a huge win for them. But, yeah, I'm still going with TCU. I did hesitate, though, because of the Chandler Morris. Like, if Chandler Morris played, Paul, are you still picking BYU? No, absolutely okay. not. So absolutely I just, not. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Uh, right. First star for the backup quarterback, they're, they're like, they're, they're, they're teetering on the brink here of not coming together. And uh, I, like, and the other problem with picking these teams in the, in the Big 12 is where it's tougher in the Pac-12 because these teams are really good. It, it, it's just slightly less tough in the Big 12 because you got this big block in the middle of blah. Yeah, yes. and it's Texas, Oklahoma, and then, like, just whatever. Yeah, yeah. and so, like, you don't know. Like, there's not everybody's much. Everybody's had a bad game. There's not much separation yeah. in the middle of it. And, you know, like, so – I'm just gonna. I'm going with momentum on this one right here. Okay. TCU has a lot of negative momentum going, um, and if they do get it back, fine. Hey, but you, you know, know what? Brigham Young will bring a bunch of fans to that game. We saw what they did here well, in Waco two years ago. TCU does not usually have a great crowd. They could end up with a chunk of people there. That yeah. Then TCU is you know like Baylor can fall victim to that. Of all of a sudden you turn around and go, yeah. oh crap, this yeah. is not the home field advantage you thought it was. Kim, wet blanket, Derek. Vesnicka, uh, I'll take BYU. So, homie says that as well. Uh, I keep on getting his name wrong. N H or N O M A H E. I like to tell me how to. Mahe, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. maybe. Also, Matthew says TCU. Uh, if Altoid. TCU doesn't win, I just I brought up BYU and what a great start that would be for them. I mean, it'd be one game from bowl eligibility. They'd have gone and taken a huge game that prior to the season you were probably a little bit uncertain about. We didn't realize TCU was not going to be nearly as good as they were last year. I mean, some thought that that would be the case, but I don't know if you had them at 500 no. and potentially below 500 at the halfway point, which is what they would be. And so, yeah, the story is not only if BYU wins – how big of a jump this is for them into the Big 12 pool. But for TCU, it'd be awfully puzzling how you, you drop, even with all you lost, like to be three and four would be no. a disastrous start for them. Their, their offense and defensive lines aren't producing. Sonny Dykes made a comment. A couple of the comments in the game. Altoid, I'm rooting for BYU, but TCU gets it done. James, TCU needs this one a must win, in my opinion, for the Frogs. Backup quarterback needs to take care of the football, making it bowling shoe ugly win a game in the 20s. Yeah, and I think uh, he showed some of this last year, and this is not a, a knock on him uh, per se. It's not like a personal shot or anything, but – you know, when uh, Sonny Dykes was going on that run last year, it brought up and evoked memories of uh, when Baylor was going through their coaching search and how he was brought up on a couple of occasions. And at the time, like the first time around, he was at Cal, and there was no reason to believe, like, this would be a great hire, um, even though the Texas ties and all that. And obviously a few years later, SMU and then TCU and what he's built on, like th that would be a different conversation now as opposed to when he was at Cal. But when you watch him on the sidelines and you watch some of his reactions to certain things, it's like, Okay, I'm glad that they kind of didn't do – I mean, I, yeah, I don't see how it would have fit man. in very well. Yeah, yeah. He, um, he gets here. fired up. He's the opposite, and he's got a little of that anger, that red face. I like the guy. He's been great with He's joined yeah. us on the show and always appreciated his take. I can just see where he wasn't a, just the natural fit and just you slide him on in here, and, and that was the go-to for Macro. So yeah. the genius in 2021 was Aranda. The genius in 22 was Kleiman and Sonny Dykes. And all of them right now are kind of looking around going, hmm, this year. Miami and North Carolina. Miami coming off the absolute dreadful finish. Mario Cristobal with the decision. It cost him an actual game. An actual game against Georgia Tech. And there, Emory is the only one picked to you. Everybody has powder blue. 
Yeah, I, 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 I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that Mario Cristobal coaches his opus on on Saturday night because he has to. But uh, North Carolina is really good. It's there, and maybe Miami got caught looking ahead as a team overall. Like look, they were the reason that Georgia Tech, a team that should not be on the board with Miami, was even in that game because Miami wasn't playing well, and uh, and they were. You coach in circles around uh, Mario Cristobal and staff all game long, but Miami's talent was winning out, and all they had to do was take a knee and win that game. I, I just think Drake may a little bit too much, especially with Tez Walker coming in for the second game here at home. Yeah, I, I'll take North Carolina in this one, but I would not be surprised to see uh, Miami really locked in. Now, I do worry, though, that the opposite could happen. Well, not that they're not locked in, but that they're too over-focused and that they over coach to make up for under coaching this one I that probably thought the longest about because I do think that we get lost in the bad decision and don't realize Miami was that bad decision away from being undefeated that's true um, and so it's not like they're a bad team it's just they had a really bad situation unfold uh, last Saturday night an embarrassing situation I think that that fuels them and that gave me even more reason to initially pick Miami but ultimately sat on it a little bit and yeah I'll default to Drake May and and North Carolina at home. I think this ought to be an excellent, evenly matched game. A blowout would surprise me uh, either way. Uh, but I do think Miami, I expect them at least, I expect them to rebound nicely and, and make this a, a heck of a game. But, uh, yeah, um, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting there in the ACC. Uh, we're, on the ra- we're on the air, man. Thank you very much. What is going on today? I don't know. <laughs> like, well, Jack was getting arrested. The police officer. Jack, what was that? Do you know what what was the deal? Was it looking for somebody else? Because it started making yeah, me nervous that Paul and no Craig. Were you yeah. looking for some short dude in all black? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he just showed up. <laughs> we we probably don't explain that enough. We have this first floor. We're the only business in this building. Everything else is a condo, apartment, whatever you want, a, a residence, and we're the only. And it has a. We have something on the door. And yet, sometimes people just walk in the door. I, and I will tell you, there's a phenomenon. Thank that you. That's a great shot me, there, Jack. That the guy show made me nervous. Yeah, he made me very nervous. Uh, here's the other thing. I'll tell you this, and you may not know this, but uh, for some reason to some people, this is a medical condition that we need to get examined, that when they see people with headphones and a microphone on, <laughs> it doesn't appear to them. It's, the, it's, it's like they're, it's like It's like we're just sitting here. All okay. Who well, that's, sits that's, all in a row and looks straight away with headsets? <laughs> like, what well, do you think's going on when yeah. you come in here? That's if they pass the. Can they read the sign in front of them? Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. That, that, because amazing. we have signs hey, on the doors. That guy made me nervous. So Jack, start bringing your gun. All right, now, so all right, I pick North Carolina. I just like who they are. Drake May. I think he'll be fine. I do think this will be a great game. Like Craig has said, every one of these games, everybody could pick the opposite and end up you know, having the same record in, in one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, the Tar Heels are averaging like 40 points a game, and I think their defense has gotten better. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a coin flip every single one of these. And so we'll see how it comes out in the wash, probably about even based on the results we've seen so far. But, um, yeah, looking forward to – I'll watch a bunch of, if not all of all five of these games. Can't wait. All right, Craig, N-O-M-A-H-E. He's given me how to pronounce it. How did you say it was? Omahe. Tom Namahi. 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 Yeah, Namahi. Okay. Namahi. Namahi. Thank you, Namahi. We appreciate that. I'll try to remember that. For those who are picking the North Carolina-Miami game, Camelo, uh, UNC, Miami players will not play well for Crystal Ball after the last week's debacle. 
Oh, their response it. will be very interesting for sure. I mean, because that was just so disastrous, and yeah. um, I, I could see it swinging wildly both ways. Yeah, Paxton, North Carolina, but close, toughest game on the board. Namahi, North Carolina. UW fan Jim, North Carolina. Uh, there's a Mac Brown comment in here as well uh, on uh, what Mac Brown and UNC demonstrate how to kneel to win. North Carolina. <laughs> 34, Miami 31 on a classic. Kyle, wet. Everybody's picking North Carolina. But James Skagg, yeah, no, he said he'll take North Carolina, wins by 10. All right, there you go. Thanks to a lot of you. No, Kyle, it was not a pizza delivery. I would have been much more comfortable than what we dealt with just a minute ago. When we do come back here on 365 Sports, and thanks for everybody for not just playing along but being a part of what we're doing with Pick'em. When we come back, We'll have Mickey Spagnola. The Cowboys got bloodied in San Fr- or Santa Clara. His thoughts about the week against Sandy, uh, the Chargers, L.A. This is 365 Sports. Don Chimidori Coffee Beans Town West Shopping Center just between Richland Drive and Valley Mills in Waco. I played a round of golf earlier today and with David Gonzalez and just love playing with David. He smokes a cigarette or two on occasion, and I smoke a cigar or two on occasion when we're playing a round of golf. And it was Sunday, for whatever reason, I went to go play golf, and I did not bring my Pelican case with the cigars, and I felt like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Because it's kind of just a relaxing thing for me when I play around the golf. You get cigars here in Waco, and you could even call them, and they can send them to you. Uh, I do remember one of our great listeners, in fact, bought a gift card, and when I went in there one night, it was there for me and helped me get even more cigars. Don Shumador and Coffee Beans with a 48-foot walk-in humidor. Today, I smoked several Rocky Patels. That's my favorite brand. There was an Arturo Fuente, an Aston, and also uh, my father, which is a really good smoke as well. They have CBD products, THC products, THC called Bad Days for those with chronic pain, and it really can make a difference. Don Chibador and Coffee Beans in the Townwest Shopping Center just between Richland Drive and Valley Mills. Carol, Ashley, and Cheyenne, tell them Smokey sent you. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors we are people you can count on. 
Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone-in ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. This is 365 Sports. It's time for our weekly segment with Mickey Spagnola of DallasCowboys.com. Prescott fires. Oh, lamb! Touchdown! Brought to you by the First National Bank of Central Texas with five locations to serve you. You know, sometimes you play a game, you win, you lose, you might blow somebody out, you might get bloodied. Cowboys were bloodied by the 49ers in Santa Clara in a Sunday night game. Mickey Spagnola joins us. Craig and Paul, I'm David Smoke on 365 Sports. Would that be the term bloodied for you, Mickey? Uh, yeah, I think when you lose a game by the worst margin uh, since 2010, it was quite bloody. Very, very good term there, David Smoke. Thank you. What is the gap that the Cowboys have to overcome? I don't think every game they they would play against the 49ers would be 42 to 10, but they've not beat them the last several times that they've played. What is the biggest gap they have to overcome in your mind between them and the 49ers? Well, not play as poorly as they did Sunday night, right? I mean, the other two losses you just referred to were by seven, what, six points and seven points. Uh, now it's by, what, 32, 32 points. Uh, yeah, I don't know that San Francisco got that much better or the Cowboys got that much worse. They just played poorly. They got outplayed. I think they got outcoached. Uh, I think that San Francisco's game plans on offense and defense and Jerry Jones referred to it on Tuesday saying, you know, if we have the opportunity to play them again, there's a bunch of things we can adjust uh, to compensate for what took place uh, on Sunday night. And I thoroughly believe him. Uh, they, they, they couldn't stop the run. Uh, and it wasn't like they were running any fancy plays. They couldn't stop the pass. And the fancy play was the double reverse throwback to the quarterback. And nobody decided to cover George Kittle as they didn't on the other two of his three uh, touchdown passes. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I just think it was one of those games. Now, going forward, we'll find out uh, if there is a gap that big. Because you got to play 12 more games. You're not going to play San Francisco again until if you're lucky enough to get into the playoffs. Uh, but not everybody is as good as San Francisco, right? Uh, at some point, we got to hand it to them. That was their 15th consecutive regular season win. Uh, over the last 17 home games, they've gone 16 and one. 
so they got something rolling, right? And the Cowboys, uh, among those, those, those 15 consecutive regular season wins, and then they had two more, by the way, in the playoffs before they ran out of quarterbacks in the NFC title game. Uh, the Cowboys held them to the least amount of points at 19 uh, because this year now all five games they've scored at least 30 points in each of the games. So, you know, what the Cowboys did last year in the in the playoffs was about as close as anybody came to uh, beating uh, the 49ers until they got blown out in the NFC title game by Philadelphia after their starting quarterback was out, uh, the backup quarterback got hurt, and then the quarterback that came in like a week or two off his couch got hurt. And the starting quarterback, which was the second quarterback, had to go back in, but he couldn't throw the ball. Mickey, there's always great stories. Brock Purdy is a great story. The last player drafted, Mr. Irrelevant, all of that stuff. Was a nice college quarterback at Iowa State. What, when you talk to Cowboys coaches or what you see yourself, what makes him, I know he has weapons, but he just seems to be so calm and collected. Yeah, well, you're right about the weapons. You're right about uh, the weapons on defense, by the way, uh, where he probably very rarely has to play from behind, which I'm not trying to get off track here, but I thought I didn't understand why the Cowboys won the toss and deferred because I'm thinking, well, don't they know that uh, for the last seven games they've scored on their opening possession? So why get yourself behind? At least take the ball and try to score and put them behind, right? Uh, but anyway, think about it, David. He played four years of college ball at Iowa State. Took a lot of snaps. Now, people might not have been impressed by him, but too many quarterbacks, in my mind, come out too soon, and they haven't played enough quarterback in college. And then they get in the NFL and they get overwhelmed because everything's so much more complicated, and they just don't have that amount of experience. Uh, so I think, number one, that certainly helps them. Number two, we can go to the weapons. Uh, I mean, they kept him clean, if you think about it. The, the Cowboys barely touched him in the game, and that was kind of their calling card, putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. But when your team's running for 170 yards and got you off balance, it's really hard uh, to adjust into pass rushing when you're sitting there going, man, I'm beating my brains out trying to stop the run, and I'm not doing that very well. Uh, so I think it's a, a combination of things, and I, I think Kyle Shanahan's pretty sharp, uh, coordinator of an offense, taking you know the quarterbacks he's had uh, and turning that team into a perennial winner. Mickey, Dak struggled mightily in the game. The offense has been like it's hard to get a read on because they haven't had to really kick it into to full drive because the defense has bun, done so well and the other games this year. I mean, he is under fire from every corner of the sports media world and the internet. And again, those questions are going to exist until he does or does not win a Super Bowl in his tenure with the Cowboys. But is some of this maybe adjusting to the Mike McCarthy offense a little bit and they haven't quite hit their rhythm in that? Well, maybe they need to adjust back. Yeah. Now look, there's a lot of dumbasses out there, right? So I, I, I'm yeah. not worried about him being under fire from people that don't watch him play every game of his career, right, or every snap. Uh, but from an offensive standpoint, to me, he, he just doesn't look comfortable. It, it looks like he's hurrying himself. 
They've made such a big deal about getting the ball out of his hands uh, that I don't know if he's taken the time to, to go through his reads the way maybe he normally would. I don't care if the ball gets out at 2.1 seconds or 3.1 seconds. As long as it gets out at the, at the right time, at the right person, in the right place, right? And I think too much has been made of that. I think too much has been made of, well, we can't throw interceptions. Well, sometimes you're going to get intercepted because you've got to throw some passes that are going to be 50-50 balls in this league, and you got to hit those. Now, those interceptions came, what, in the, in the second half. Uh, San Francisco already had the game in hand. If you look at the first one on the deep ball, you know, he, couldn't, he didn't step into the pass. Well, how come he didn't step into the pass? Because he had somebody coming from his left and somebody coming in his face, uh, and they were each one step away from sacking him. Uh, so the, the bad interception was on the, on the slant. He's got to know better than that. Uh, but I think at times when you get behind like that, you start forcing things. So, uh, you know, there's more to it than Dak Prescott, right? They couldn't run the football. We thought the offensive line being back together for the first time since the end of the 2021 season was going to make a difference. Well, they looked like they hadn't been together since the last game of the 2021 season, right? Uh, the, the blocking, the, what did they run the ball for? Like 57 yards? Yep. Uh, you know, no explosive plays other than the, the touchdown to uh, Turpin, and then he gets hurt. Um, you know, then they lose Leighton Vanderesh, and he's got to miss four games now. He's going on injured reserve. So there was a lot of other stuff going on to take some blame for that loss and not just on the quarterback's shoulders. Mickey, last thing from my perspective, the, the Chargers, of course, coming up uh, this weekend. It's a, a, a night game, what, Monday night game. They're 2-2. Two and two. Yep. They've won a couple after a shootout loss against who we know is really good Miami. Then they lost to the Titans by three on the road. But they've come back to win. Uh, is Herbert getting protection? And who are the Chargers, in your opinion, based on what you've seen the evidence in four games? Yeah, I think I, I think Herbert's awfully good. Uh, and remember, they've got the number five ranked total offense. So they're moving the football. Uh, they're scoring points. Uh, what was the first game you mentioned? Wasn't it like 36-34 or yep, something like that? Exactly right. They score, you score three, four points, you ought to win, right? Their problem has been defense. They're the 31st-ranked defense, 32nd against the pass. Uh, so very good on offense. And this Cowboy defense needs to step up and play a heck of a lot better uh, than they did uh, against the 49ers. Plus, uh, now he's, he's, he's going to be two, two weeks removed uh, from spraining that middle finger on his left hand uh, that I think in the last game he finished with it taped up. And their running back, Austin Eckler, uh, after suffering a high ankle sprain in the opener when he went for 117 yards rushing, uh, said he'd 99% chance he'll play in this game, and it looks like he's going to be back. So getting him back yeah. uh, and with their ability to throw the ball, uh, they got to be careful because I'm sure Kellen Moore is probably geeked up for this game, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, I would think so, Mickey. Uh, Brandon Cooks has not been a factor yet, uh, and Michael Gallup has not really been a factor yet, and the Cowboys were counting on that. Do do you expect them to maybe, again, de-West Coast uh, some of the offense a little bit to play to their strengths a little bit better? 
they they need to get rid of the west coast it, it looks like the gulf coast to me uh, you know i think we've made way too much about this west coast stuff yeah i mean they've only got two what two touchdown passes to their wide receivers so it's not like it's just those two you know cd lamb's not squawking no. just because he wants a squawk right he's not getting the ball um you know, the the majority of their, their touchdowns have been defensively uh, and to the tight ends and one to a running back uh, or, at, at, you know, over, you know, in the in the passing game. So, yeah, the passing game. And I get back to what I said about Dak. I just doesn't look like he's comfortable, uh, whatever they're asking him to do. Uh, so, you know, McCarthy this week talked about, you know, we're we're a defensive team and we're playing to the defense. I'm going, okay, that's fine. But when your defense is giving up 42 points, you got to score. Uh, no more complimentary football. Uh, so, you know, it's one game. I understand it. Uh, and I think we'll get a better feel now what they do against the Chargers on, on Monday night to maybe where they really are uh, against a, you know, a good team. Because right now, uh, the 49ers are the best team on the planet, right? <laughs> yeah. In football. They look like it. No, yeah. no questions asked, right? Uh, so no shame in losing. You just don't want to be non-competitive like they were and get beat by 32 points. Mickey, thank you. Enjoy the game uh, Monday night, Sandy. Uh, I, I will just like Brigham Young. It's BYU. Good. The I'm Chargers. trying. I'm trying to refrain from doing that myself. Golly, the Chargers and the Cowboys in a really good one. A couple of back-to-back primetime games. Last Sunday night got blown out, bloodied by the 49ers, and now the Chargers and Justin Herbert and company. And Eckler also. He's also a, a, a pass receiving threat when he's healthy and out of the backfield. When we come back. Paul Catalina and his top five, and this is 365 Sports. Unite Private Networks. Go to UnitePrivateNetworks.com to find out more information. Why UPN Internet? Business-grade Internet. No residential customers. You're not saving uh, or sharing with anything. It's protected fiber service. Dedicated and symmetrical, upload and download. So your speed's up to 10, uh, 10 gigs uh, per second, up and down. Same thing. And there's no last mile copper. It's 100% fiber optic. Usually you get fiber optic. The last mile uh, to the the telephone pole or the where they have it is copper. It's not all fiber. That's what they have here. It has changed everything we do. Uh, UPS battery backed up internet service. We've experienced that. We had a little brown out here a few weeks ago. Boom, right back on the internet. If you are here locally, call our buddy Ace, 254-803-7070 or go to UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDI. I see an equal housing lender. 
In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. You ask me why, and what I'll say to you is true. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around. Salsa draft sun, they're the best in town. Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. Next in line. It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5. Brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top five surprise teams. Number five is a little bit like that. I put them at five, but I do think, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, it's Oklahoma. I, I think after last week, um, you know, I thought they were going to be better this year, but being number five in the country at this point in the season, I don't think I would have had Oklahoma doing just that. Now, I know their schedule lined up for that, but I just thought that maybe there'd be a little bit more growing pains than we've seen, and so far they've dealt with everything perfectly. Well, I absolutely did not have them beating Texas, and I thought that there was still a chance that could get one-sided. When they scored quickly and kind of put out a note and a statement, they impressed the hell out of me, despite the fact they had blown the lead late in the game. I always believed in my Sooners. How dare y'all? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, obviously. Yeah, I thought Texas would win last week. And look, if you pick Texas, they were a minute away from winning the game, yeah. so it's not like it was just some, like, took them to the woodshed. Um, but, yeah, Oklahoma's uh, much better than I expected them to be. Now, granted, I don't think, because I know them a little bit better, that gives me a better opinion because I'm a bit more pessimistic with them than I am with other yeah. teams, too, yeah. because I overcorrect, if anything, uh, to set myself up to be happily surprised like last weekend. But, no, I mean, they're they're much further along defensively than I thought they would be, even thinking that they would be better. Um, they've been much better uh, than I expected already. And, you know, Dylan Gabriel and the offense are just zooming on along. So, yeah, to be here I don't think is a total shock, but it is a little bit surprising. And, um, you know, we'll see now. I mean, now all the all the aim is, is back on them now. Yeah. I mean, they're right there. They're the top team in the conference. They're a CFP contender. And if they win out, we know they're in. Yeah. But, um, you know, now that target's on their back. And it's been a little while since it's been firmly on their back. You know, it's been, been a little bit. So, um, you know, let's see how they deal with that. You know, I just thought that what they did also, not just – 
making up, well, you know, make up for getting destroyed 49 nothing. But there was the thought now that the SEC was around the corner, that Texas was far and away ahead of the curve when it comes to, to, to Oklahoma. And that, I think that they're just both very high-level elite blue bloods, and I think they're both going to be just fine. How fine, I don't know, but I think that was something Oklahoma kind of showed as well. Yeah. Number four, Air Force. Good for the uh, – Yeah, Academy. they are uh, – look – at, we saw them in the bowl game last year, and it's hard to judge anything uh, from that frozen hellscape of a nightmare <laughs> that we had to be thrown into. Um, but the people at uh, Eamon Carter were great. Yeah. That is my one positive takeaway. I will they always say wonderful. that because they had to deal with that, that experience, and I, so, yeah, they I, were great. I will only say there was one guy, and I'll call him parking lot a-hole. <laughs> Who was like, no, I can't let you in. I'm like, buddy, there's only twelve just, cars. There's, park- like, just let me drop the stuff off. I'll yeah, call your lot. boss yeah. right now. He let me in. Yeah, he didn't let me in. Well, I said, go frogs. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. He was just he was. Being you give difficult. him a little bit of that power, and sometimes they just they're just drunk with it, like, like those Cowboys training camp volunteers. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, like, they feel like Al Pacino at the end of the at the end of Scarface just hopped up on cocaine, thinking they're going to beat beat everybody. But y'all weren't even outside for the whole game. No, I don't. Oh my god! <laughs> also, also because of that, my one takeaway from the game is behind Paul. Yeah, <laughs> that's also yeah, why you have right. three fingers on your right hand yeah. because you froze off. That's why during the summer, sometimes he was just still wearing a hoodie when yeah. it's nineteen outside. God, this, that was brutal. Jack's core temperature is still ninety two point four, but after that one, yeah. but uh, and look, the next team on the list is is who they play this week. But Air Force uh, has been a, a really pleasant surprise. Hell of Wyoming is number three. This should be a heck of a game. Yeah. This is Troy Calhoun versus. Uh, Craig Bowles, some guys who were kind of old and grizzled in the biz. Um, Wyoming had the big one over Fresno State, who I said earlier would be this year's Tulane, and they still might be. But Wyoming has lost one game to Texas, and they played fantastic in it for yep. a good chunk of it. They beat Texas Tech. So, yeah, I'll throw uh, I'll throw the uh, the Cowboys on this list as well. So I did not realize that Air Force was unbeaten. They, mm-hmm. they, they haven't been tested. Uh, Sam Houston was 13-3, to but they – See what happens when you beat Baylor. It launches you to better things. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see a lot of teams getting launched then this year uh, because. Um, God. Anyways, uh, yeah, this will be a great showdown in the Mountain West. Uh, somebody's going to get their first loss, and uh, as far as the conference play goes, and uh, you know potentially for Air Force their first loss on the season period. But yeah, Wyoming's been a great story. Air Force is. Can they fly under the radar? The yeah. Air Force Academy, yeah. Um, but stealth but, bombers, stealth, yeah. yeah. But uh, no, this this ought to be a really fun one out in the Mountain West, and and something's got to give there at the top of the standings. So uh, yeah, uh, cool stories both both programs and Wyoming in particular. I think because they jumped out and beat Tech, and then you know had the, the tough tussle with Texas and gave them a run for their money. And uh, yeah, they've they've been a fun team, a spunky team to uh, follow along with this year. I like Craig Bolt. Was on Osborne staff for a while. Went to North Dakota State. Had great run, and then. He's, he's like, Wyoming's just, you know, kind of there, and, they, and they're a little bit better at times, can create a problem. Last year they were 4-8, and eight, excuse me, last year they were 6-5, what were they, 6-5. and five. Um, No, no, I'm sorry, 7-6, seven 7-6, and, six, seven and six. so they've been to a couple of bowl games, and about 5 or 6 since he's been there. Yeah, I, I think that uh, this, this game this weekend with Calhoun and, and – um, and Bowl is like two two guys who've been doing this for a while. Like, there's a lot of coaches that you know grumble. Like, I don't like you know, that. we tried to get run. Calhoun on the show last year before the bowl game, and almost ninety percent of the time we get the coach. There's like three or four schools you're not. Never did. No, it, yeah, I, yeah I, I, that's just not not surprised. And he's well thought of. Uh, I'm, Absolutely, I'm, yeah, but yeah, yeah, not surprised. Number two, 
West Virginia. Uh, 4-1, and one, and the only loss is to a very good Penn State team. And here's the deal. They're 1-1 one one after the first two, and everybody's like, well, yeah, they're supposed to be. They lost to Penn State, who's really good. They beat Duquesne, who's Duquesne. And then the Pitt game comes. They're playing with the backup quarterback for most of the game. The defense shut Pitt's, shuts Pitt down, and as Jed Drenning said, you know, started sending uh, Phil Yurkovic off to being a tight end, uh, and all of a sudden you think, oh, well, this is different. Okay, won the big rivalry game. Okay, then you beat Tech. Then you beat TCU, and all of a sudden you've got Neil Brown having these guys playing super confident, rolling to Houston tonight. Man, uh, you know, I thought I, I just thought that Neil Brown was going to be done because the schedule is going to be too tough, but he's turned it on his ear, ear so far. No, he has. They've been a great uh, yeah. story. Uh, been surprising. I only think the most positive West Virginia fans would have had them, not knowing what we didn't know at the time, have them at, at this record at this point. I, I don't think you could have sat there and really said, like, yeah, they'll beat Pitt, and then they'll go beat Tech, and then they'll go beat TCU on the road. I mean, even the most optimistic wouldn't have thought that they'd, you know, correctly navigate that stretch. Uh, the Penn State loss wasn't a surprising, but Penn State's a top five-ish, top ten team, so, like, there's no shame in that, especially in Happy Valley. But other than that, yeah, I mean, they've they've found a way. Not every game's been super pretty. Um, they're not, like, a super well-balanced team, but they just make plays when they need to, and uh, they play stingy defense, and they get by on offense. And, you know, C.J. Donaldson hasn't been, like, great this year for them. You know, they've had quarterback injuries that have come into play, and that defense has been able to be their backbone. So, I'd exp- you know, they should win the night. Um, they should. I think they're a better team than Houston, but, you know, Thursday night on the road. But if they do, then, my gosh, I mean – They've, they've got a couple of potential stumbling blocks in the second half, but they also play a lot of the new teams. They play UCF, BYU, and Cincinnati, and they play Houston tonight. So their second half is four of the, all four of the new teams, and I would think that that favors them. Um, they will get Oklahoma. Uh, they will get Oklahoma State here in a couple weeks, but, shoot, they win the night, man. They're sitting super pretty, and, and who the heck knows, you know, here in two, three weeks when they match up with the Sooners, for example, of what that could look like. I'll never forget Neil Brown when he came – to our table at Big 12 Media Days, and the look on his face, even then he was in a bad mood. And it wasn't because he was whining. He was in a bad mood. At 14th, he talked about having the offensive line back. And, and you could tell he, was, he wasn't just being coach speak. He was angry uh, and, and determined. And, and I, I'm happy for them. That's a great run. Joey Foster and, you know, Cuz and all you guys that are West Virginia fans, S. Michael DeHart and Kyle Little, really happy for everyone. Not talk to everybody that's on the chat room, but good luck tonight. Enjoy the game. Number one, Louisville. 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 They are, um, they, I mean, they are, to me, the biggest surprise. I thought Jeff Brom would, you know, especially with Jack Plummer at quarterback, a guy who's transferred a couple times, even though he knew the system, would kind of, you know, stumble a little bit, but they're set up well to to win most of the rest of theirs. Now, look, they've got... They've got Miami on the schedule. I believe they have Clemson. Like, it's going to get tough. But um, they play physical. They, um, you know, the, the, of course, the city loves Jeff Brom and always has loved Jeff Brom and probably wanted to be the head coach the day he graduated from Louisville. But um, it has worked out perfectly. And so far, I mean, they're, they're undefeated. And they really stuck it to Notre Dame. Louisville's a really kind of crazy place when, uh, fan-wise, they, they really, you know, buy into their teams when they're good, and, and right now the, the football fans are going nuts. No, they've been an incredible story. I don't recall really, I mean, a lot of teams you can at least remember seeing some 
hope uh, or you know thoughts that no, they might be better than expected. I don't recall seeing anything about Louisville and being off to a start like this. So yeah, this has come as a as pretty much a, a huge shock. Uh, they've been rising up all of the various rankings as a result, and rightfully so. But um, you know, Brahms rolled in there and done a great job. You know, meanwhile, Satterfield's kind of still feeling his way out there at Cincinnati. But you wondered how all that was going to work, and it's worked out tremendously uh, for the Cardinals. So yeah, they've been a tremendous story. Um, they're right there in the thick of the ACC race, and uh, they can cause a lot more disruption. But uh, yeah, I definitely didn't expect that we'd be talking about them, you know, at the top of a surprise list halfway through the season. But uh, yeah, they've been getting the job done. Most everybody in the chat room picking West Virginia, Paxton and Clay say C.J. Donaldson's get 150 yards and a couple of scores. Thanks for the predictions. Uh, Paxton also say Louisville was last year's TCU. Jack, I know you got to go to cover something. Thank you so much. For Craig Smoke and Paul Catalina, Emery, Levi, Owen, everybody here. Tonight, 1030 on the CW, 365 Sports Tonight. I'm David Smoke. Have a great night.